everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is Platy M3. And this is Yangus the Legendary Bandit. Full disclosure, Yangus and I have been taking turns picking topics here for these first four episodes of SideQuest, and this week it's my turn again. So much like when we were talking about the GBA and GBC um, last month, this week's episode has come about completely due to just what I've been playing recently. And we'll get that. You're going to spoil the magic of how we make these episodes. Yeah, yeah. But see, I bought this game to just review for RP Gamer last week called Nexamon because it looked cute. Some of the earlier reviews looked good. So uh, thus we came up with the not Pokemon episode you're about to hear. Yep, that's right. Uh, while we won't be talking about Pokemon, there are plenty of other Mon-like series we will be discussing, like Digimon, Monster Hunter Stories, Monster Rancher, Yokai Mon Watch. Oh, wait a minute. That last one doesn't have Mon in the name. It doesn't? No. Hmm. That's weird. Uh, well, anyway, uh, there are lots of monster catching games out there, and a lot of these series owe their roots back to titles like Megami Tensei 1 and 2 on the Famicom and Dragon Quest V for the Super Famicom. Uh, those were two of the first uh, RPG series to feature monster collecting in some form. And from there, we saw series like Pokemon, Digimon, and others spring up from it. And even today, we still see new series pop up like Yokai Watch and Nexomon and, and a few others that have come here and there. So that's all led to what we're going to be discussing on tonight's episode. That's right. And joining us tonight, we've set some lures, held out some meat. Um, we did just about everything but throw a Pokeball. And joining us, we have our uh, one of our regular guests, Brewerian. And our kind of first-timer, Saigon. And I do mean kind of because he was a host of the original Slime Time podcast way back from the summer of 2012. Welcome, guys. Howdy. Thank you. Hey, what's going on? Well, with a party of four, I think we can manage all these different franchises. So let's get things started with good old Dragon Quest Monsters. And Saigon, welcome back to being on Slime Time. Thanks. It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, you started all this. Well, uh, I'd also have to point out assistance from the Dwayne and Mimas and, uh, oh man, who else did we have back then? Um, Destructor, bunch of the one old... giving all the uh, Joker advice? I think he might have been the one giving all the old Joker advice. You'll have to excuse me if that's incorrect. It's been eight years. <laughs> eight years. <laughs> but yeah, we had a bunch of old uh, Dragon's Den people on the show for those uh, few episodes that we did. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? I'm going to turn things over to you first. Why don't you tell us about your experience with, with Dragon Quest Monsters? What, did, what, did, what have you played? What have you really liked about the series through the... Lots of iterations it's gone through. So I've been kind of a late bloomer with the Monsters series. I didn't get started on it until Joker 2. And then I've been kind of going backwards in just this weird, bumpy order. Um, I've played Joker 2. Really, really enjoyed that one. It's definitely my favorite out of the ones that I've played. Um, it's just much more playable. Um, it's so much more streamlined. The breeding is excellent. And, you know, back in the day before I, it was the Game Freak servers, I think, shut down. Not Game Freak. Game Spy. When the Game Spy servers shut down, there was a multiplayer scene for it back in the day, even in the West. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Played some of Joker 1. It's not near as playable as Joker 2. And then I've spent some time on the original uh, Terry's Wonderland on the Game Boy. That one is 
a grind. <laughs> That's the <laughs> nicest thing I can say about it. That but, is an uh, understatement, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> it is brutal. Uh, fortunately, Dragon Quest Monsters 2, I just played that, I think, last year for the first time, and I can see why everyone loves that and has mm -hmm. it as a favorite. It was just fantastic from beginning to end. Wonderful single-player content. Definitely. I know that's, out of all those, that's my favorite. That's the only game, any monster collecting, any game I feel like I've ever been able to say I did 100% on. I had two Game Boy Advances back then, but I had the old Game Boy Color link cable, and you could still link Game Boy Colors together on Game Boy Advances back then. And if you breed across, because I had, I had both copies of the game, mm -hmm. and if you breed across the link cables, you both get a monster back. Oh, nice. So, um, and it would depend upon which way you breed, because there's a breeding combinations. If you mix a slime with a um what is it dragon like if you put the slime in first then or i think that it's the order of it it's the order yeah and then it stays yep. within that family so a slime and a dragon would get you a drag slime i think yep but when you would do that over the link cable whoever put the slime in would get like the drag slime but mm -hmm. whoever put the dragon in would get like the dragon monster half oh, nice. of the breeding that would so I don't think, uh, after a certain point in the game, because I played through like 30, 40 hours, beat the game, main game, with one copy, and then I started up another one. And then all I would do was, if I had two high-level A-rank, S-rank monsters, um, the question mark, the boss family, basically, I would trade one over to my second copy. Then I would breed, get, you know, the monster I really want, usually another really high-level monster, and then trade that one back. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time just trading back and forth but i'd always have so many monsters i'd result in no net loss you know i'd sit there and do that for two hours and end up with 10 more monsters but really i'd have all these extra great breeding things left behind so that that one breeding wise and just yeah the infinite worlds with the keys and everything that was definitely my favorite i've enjoyed all the other ones i've liked caravan heart that i i'll defend that one forever I know most people can't get past the first hour because of the food mechanic and the hunger. Um, but I've dealt with that in Mystery Dungeon games. And, you know, you just get past it. And after an hour, an hour or two into the game, you have spells and you got enough money that you got enough bread that it just it doesn't even become a factor anymore. And that one's got a pretty robust post game finding just orbs all the time and opening different places with all these different orbs. But and I, I think I've beat it twice, but it is definitely the more obscure bastard stepchild. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason they've made Terry's Wonderland 3DS, and there's a reason why they did Dragon Quest Monsters 2 um, remake for the 3DS and never touched Caravan Hearts again. <laughs> there's just no word of Caravan Hearts. They're like, no. uh, let's make Joker 3. Uh, let's announce another one with Eric and Mia. <laughs> let's just yep. forget about Kiefer. <laughs> yeah, just sweep that one aside. It it happened, it was there, but you're never going to see it again. Um, totally different breeding mechanic, and you had, uh, what is it? You had human party members that led different caravans with the monsters in them, but uh, you had to go around collecting humans as well, and you'd get different ranked humans um, mainly was based on their weight. You could get really heavy humans and really light humans, and it affected how big your caravans and monsters could be. That does sound like a major change to the formula. 
Oh, oh yes. Yeah, you basically had by the end you had three different. Um, actually, I'm sorry, I started that off wrong. The monsters were the caravan leaders. It, it was the humans that you were mainly collecting. You could breed the monsters, so you'd have like a great drag leading the caravan, dragging the wagon. But who was in the wagon was a bunch of humans. And yeah, if you got really heavy fighters, like the great drag could only hold so many guys in their um, wagon. And they would fight and the humans would fight. It, it was a total different mechanic. I mean, completely different. Hmm. So I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was not the others, but I... Love the others more. Um, it's all pretty good. Uh, we had uh, Z6N4 on quite a few episodes ago back in December. And he's the one who led the team that fan translated Joker 3, fan translated uh, Terry's Wonderland 3DS. It was great having him on. Um, seen him posting again recently in GBA Temp because he did, as he told us, he's done 90% of the work for um, the Dragon Quest Monsters 2 one. He is completely stalled because, there is, as he called it, the needle in the haystack. He can't find the trigger to allow um, text box to overflow, like have a second text box. So all this story content he's translated won't fit because the English language takes a lot more characters than Japanese. Yeah, and I think that that's... Um... A lot of people who keep an eye out on these fan translations uh, might not realize that it's not just translating text. There's a lot of coding in there, and you have to really unravel a lot of the code that's in there. And that's why, you know, we never got things like Dragon Quest Four on the PlayStation, because mm -hmm. it's just and so much more work than just translating text. Yeah, I... What's interesting is even months before talking to him, Team Rocket was on. Haha, -ha, Pokemon reference. But Team Rocket, the guys <laughs> that did uh, Rocket Slime 3 or Slime Mori Mori 3. And uh, just about a year now, because it was uh, August 2019, they put out the beta for that, the fan translation. And I played through it and we interviewed them. And that was actually something that they just kind of brought up natively talking about the game. They're like, oh, yeah, one of the hardest things was, you know, trying to get all the English text in there. And once we found this trigger it worked um and i know uh z6n4 he's been in contact with them they helped him he's helped them back and forth on their different projects but apparently that dragon quest monsters 2 one the trigger is somewhere completely different than all the other 3ds games that we've had fans translated and there is a new attempt right now someone's already starting it and on the dens discord we've got a uh, Someone just joined this weekend, and he's been talking about it, and he's been messaging me on the den. There is a new effort to just get a translation out for that game of monster names, spells, skills, items, and menu. Just, you know, leave the story part untranslated. You can follow around with an FAQ. If you played the game before, it'll be pretty much whatever. Use Google Translate. Hold your phone up. But at least have everything so you could battle and know how to breed and all that stuff translated and in there. So, don't know how that'll go. They're making progress. They're looking for people to help. Um, but that's over on GBA Temp. I was going to say, isn't that how they had to do or handle the fan translation for Joker 2 Professional? Where they pretty much just had to be like, okay, we're just going to keep everything that's already translated from the original, but we're not going to translate the new stuff, just the menus and, and monster names, so you can at least figure out that part, the new content, you're on your own. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that ever got far. Uh, okay. Um, 
back when that project started, but it's been so long. It might have evolved past that by now. And I know someone asked about Joker 3 Professional the other day over on GBA Temp. Um, and part of the team was like, actually, we're pretty far along there. We just haven't worked on it in a while. Just we got pretty far and life happened. So sorry, progress stopped. But Yangus, what what games have you played? What do you got to say about Dragon Quest Monsters? Uh, so I talked about this when I was first on the podcast, but Monsters was my introduction to uh, Dragon Quest as a whole. Uh, the original Dragon Warrior Monsters was a game that I just kind of picked up by chance because my parents were like, okay, so you're not really liking the Game Boy Color game we picked out for you, so we'll you know, let you pick out whatever game you want to get. And just by chance, that's the first one that I picked up. And kind of like what Saigon said, where it was really grindy. I had a lot of trouble with Dragon Warrior Monsters as a kid. It was a game that was, for one, my first RPG that I played. And it was just really hard to get into and sort of figure out what to do while playing. And even though I did kind of struggle with it, you know, I did try and make as much progress as I could. It definitely helped once I learned how to save the game so I didn't have to keep repeating everything. That helped out a lot. But um, <laughs> but uh, what really got me to become a fan of the series was uh, Dragon Quest Monsters 2. I had gotten both Terrace Adventures and Kobe's Journey one year for Christmas. I think the year it came, uh, the two of them came out. And I got the guidebook along with it as well that had all the breeding patterns and all the different worlds and where you can go to and how like the mystery keys work so you can access new bonus worlds once you beat the game. All that good stuff. And what I enjoyed about it was that you get to explore all these different key worlds and you get to meet new monster allies in every different kingdom that you travel to uh, through the the magic key doors. Um, I wasn't very good at the game. Like I said, I wasn't that great at the games as a kid, but I kind of slowly figured my way out or fig- slowly figured my way through, excuse me, Dragon Monster or Dragon Warrior Monsters 2 once I had read through the book a bit more and things started making a bit more sense especially after playing some of Dragon Warrior Monsters 1 I was kind of able to not quite feel my way through as much and was more like okay well now I know how this works so I'll be more prepared for the second one and I think that's why like I still hold Dragon Warrior Monsters 2 as a game that's really close to my heart not only because it got me into the Dragon Quest series as a whole but it was one that where I felt like I was really starting to understand sort of what RPGs expected from you as the player, where you needed to, you know, make sure your party's staying strong. If you have a favorite, that's okay, but maybe try and look for some options to either strengthen yourself or, you know, don't be afraid to go off and explore new places to find new allies for yourself. And really, the, the most fun that I had with that game, too, was as I going through and going to all these different worlds was trying to find a way to save the kingdom of great log because in dragon warrior monsters 2 like the whole plot kicks off because the little prince of the kingdom i think his name is prince kamea if i remember right he ends up causing the plug that basically keeps the kingdom of great log afloat uh, on the ocean he makes that totally pop off of essentially what holds all of the power of the kingdom in and without that power source being blocked off the power is draining from the island which is causing it then to sink into the ocean and eventually it would just completely disappear beneath the ocean waves so your whole entire goal for the game is to try and find a new way to safely uh, plug up that magic hole where all of the power is coming from so you can then you know prevent the island from sinking and save the kingdom and i liked how as you played through the game you had different uh, problems that came up from the different worlds you traveled to that everybody was trying to help you. But you still had adversaries like Prince Kamea trying to one-up you even though he was the problem in the first place and he doesn't understand how dire the situation is. 
And then you have like the mysterious hunter who keeps showing up and challenging you. And then what I thought was cool as a kid was that when you get to the fourth world, uh, the sky world, you finally find a treasure, like an ancient castle that's funny enough, guarded by Moodoo from uh, Dragon Quest six. And that that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't find Moodoo that threatening. Cause it's like, Oh, he's not that scary. He's just a big fat monster looking thing. <laughs> but, um, I remember when beating him back in the day and going into the chamber with all the treasure chests, and you were, that's finally where you found that big stockpile of gold and treasure chests and all that good stuff, that you finally are able to find a seal that will finally cover up uh, the magic hole in the Kingdom of Great Log, but then suddenly you're, you're, then you're attacked by a Dark with a real creative name like that. He's very threatening. <laughs> But he's essentially the king of Limbo, which is sort of this in-between world. And I remember as a kid, that was kind of intimidating going to that world as well, because it felt like like a real challenge. And that was sort of what I really enjoyed about the series as a kid, especially that game in particular. That as you kept going, that there's eventually this big bad that would show up and he's like the last uh, uh, roadblock before you can officially you know save the day. And I like that the other Monsters games sort of do that same thing, like Joker 2 has those ancient ruins that you discover and then you end up going beneath them and you find, um, I don't remember what his name is. I think it's Maneville Leon X, if I remember right. And he's like this giant lion guardian of that island of Joker 2. And then you can end up finding another set of ruins after you defeat him that contains an even more evil being. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of just typical Dragon Quest stuff with things like that. But I kind of enjoy that sense of like, oh, this is, you know, kind of seriously, you know, it's a big threat to the world. I, I kind of like that trope a bit. But for the games themselves, like I just enjoyed the monster collecting. And it's kind of why I enjoyed them a little bit more than Pokemon as a kid, because I like the Toriyama designs. And I've read through that. I read through that uh, magazine for Monsters 2 so many times. Like it's just pretty much package taped up the binding all over because <laughs> because it was falling apart eventually. <laughs> but I use that like crazy for the breeding and I didn't get every monster, but I did end up getting a few of like the four star monsters from the different families. Like I got Egdrasel for the plant family. I got, um, what is it? The white King and Lazarus or whatever the, like the big bad or the big, not the big bad, uh, the four star rank monster is for the undead family. So I never got to boss monsters or the unknown family, but it, it was fun just kind of messing around with the breeding system and, whether I discovered a new breeding pattern on my own for like a really strong monster or uh, finding like a particular monster from the guidebook and trying to follow the steps for that. That was always fun doing that. And I got plenty of playtime from uh, Monsters 2 as a kid. I don't really have a lot to say about the Joker games. I played Joker 1. I didn't really get that far into it. It just really wasn't for me and I didn't really care for how the game played. But I felt Joker 2 was, uh, even though we didn't get the professional version, that Joker 2 did feel like a big step up and felt a lot more like what I enjoyed about Monsters 2 on the Game Boy Color from when I was a kid. I felt a little more like of the kind of a storytelling idea that they were going for with how the island connects to everything and how your adventure kind of kicks off. It, it, it felt more like a return to form than what Joker 1 was trying to do. Hmm. Yeah, Joker 1 and Dragon Quest and uh, Terry's Wonderland are kind of nebulous in their goals. Like, they just give you this overarching goal at the beginning, like, hey, win the Starry Night Tournament to rescue your sister. Hey, go check out all of these ruins. And <laughs> Joker 2 kind of gives you more of a step-by-step -step 
Um, you've crash landed on this island. You need to survive. Go find this if you want to survive. Okay, great. We got that down. Now go find this if you want to survive. You're given more direction in the early hours of the game that teach you the mechanics and -hmm. give you reasons to keep playing. And then when the game stops holding your hand, you have all the tools and you understand all the mechanics. And then you're kind of in this better position to actually play the game. Yeah. Yeah, that that was what I kind of like more about like Joker or yeah, Joker 2 and uh, Monsters 2 because if it felt more like the game was sort of naturally giving you ideas of what to do next or you know, as you progress like you got to learn more about the story about how like in Joker 2 for instance like how the island connects to everything and how important that the uh, lion guy whose name escapes me right now how he ties into everything. And you felt more like you were getting more out of the experience than like with like, no, no offense to anyone who prefers like Terry's Wonderland or anything like that. But I just felt like I was getting more out of the experience as a kid and as an adult or like as a young adult when playing uh, Monsters 2 and uh, Joker 2, just because you felt a little bit more weight to the situation or you got a little bit more satisfaction from playing and sort of seeing like, okay, your efforts are paying off. True. Brurian, what did you like? About Dragon Quest Monsters. So I played the first Dragon Warrior Monsters uh, back when it came out. And this was very shortly after my stint with the other monster collecting game that starts with the P. And um, I actually enjoyed the first one a lot. I put, I think on my first playthrough, I put some 60, 70 hours into it. Yeah, it's a little, like like uh, Saigon said, it's a little more nebulous in terms of, you know, overall gameplay and everything. But I I played it with a Super Game Boy on my Super Nintendo, so I got those nice custom borders for everything. Um, I just kind of like how the game let you, gave you an overarching uh, objective, like Yang has mentioned, of, hey, go save your sister. And the game more or less leaves you to your own devices to figure out your monster breeding and everything. Although the monster breeding in that game is a lot more brutal than, you know, preceding titles. Um, But to be honest, I never did play Dragon Warrior Monster 2. I I own copies of it over the years as I've added to my Dragon Quest collection, but I've never actually sat down to play it. Mm -hmm. Uh, In that that time frame, I have played through Terry's Wonderland 3DS, because that was the first Warriors Monsters game I played, or Quest Monsters, whatever. And... uh, yeah, that's 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 more or less where I stand on it. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm kind of the black sheep with it because I know I know I know a lot of people love the second game for all of the different worlds and all of the, the the whole key system and everything. But I just kind of like the the the, the raw. It just kind of puts you out there that the first game gives you. Yeah, it's uh, I was thinking as um, Saigon was talking a lot about Joker three. Joker three like extends the linearity a little bit more um you're going island to island and there's literally you're on an island there's a problem you beat that boss you you completely warp to another island and sure enough you can go back and do stuff but it is really you're on an island do it move to the next there's not a lot of reason to go back um except you can ride monsters in joker 3 so you get different abilities to kind of fly a little bit and do some other higher jumps and whatever so you can go back and get to some places you couldn't before but it does take that it's almost like a a regular role-playing game you know that has a progression 
and not what, just throw you open. Yeah, what, what I will give every game after the first one is the, gosh, catching monsters in the first game was ask and a half. <laughs> because if you if you catch a monster, doesn't matter the gender of the monster, if you catch that monster and it is in your farm, it it is like M, near if not impossible to catch another one, even if it's of the other gender. It is so incredibly hard to do that if you catch, I don't know, a tree stump male, but you needed a tree stump female, you more or less have to let go the other one just to catch the uh, the opposite gender of the same monster. So Oh, definitely. You know, so so when once you start getting to the end game stuff and you want to breed um the dragon lord for the first game it is it takes it takes a lot of effort in the original dragon warrior monster to to do a feat like that comparative comparatively to the second game or even the joker's games i think the joker joker one was kind of hard to breed a lot of stuff i remember spending gosh i think i spent like 50 hours before i got trodane for dragon uh quest monsters joker mm-hmm but uh, that was that was also another task and a half. And the second game made everything so much easier. In fact, what I liked about the second game is that you could have like a single monster that took up all three slots instead of having three separate monsters. That was always yeah. Fun. They they expand that, and I know there's even four slot ones in um, Terry's Wonderland and the, the remakes. The yeah, 3DS, it's, um, so they start yeah, that. yeah. That's in. Um... Uh, Monsters 2 remake, but in, in a Monsters or uh, Terry's Wonderland, there's still only just three monsters as the biggest size. Oh, that's true. Which is actually really cool because I played that on the, the translated one on my PC and I did some upscaling and it looks beautiful when you upscaled. I upscaled it until the maximum my computer could <laughs> keep it in the 90% range still going. Um, but when you go to the, your mon- when you go to your monster uh, farm, my kids would love just like, Daddy, go to the monster farm. And you could go there and you would see those size three and those size four monsters. You would just be like on kind of this balcony looking over and they'd be huge. Like everything else, eh, you know, whatever. They look like your size. They're, they're, they're a monster that's five, six feet tall. But no, those those large ones were large. You felt like you were standing a hundred feet away from them, and they're almost like eye level with you up on they, this. They, they really yeah. were, especially mm-hmm. on uh, Terry's Wonderland. Yeah, yeah and, I remember. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say one other thing, and this brings up catching those monsters and everything. Uh, this is one of the only games. I mean, there may be some here because I haven't played all the ones that we're gonna talk about tonight. But you, there's always what is it? A lot of these games have foreign trainers and foreign the pokemon uh, trainers that you battle along the way well this one you could at least in uh the original couple games you could steal monsters from those trainers during battles it might take a couple sirloins as the meat that you would give them but every time i would see one in terry's wonderland especially because terry's wonderland you could save anywhere or i would do save states or one or the other i think it's save anywhere um, you just go up to them and it, you'd battle and of course you'd see the percentage on the 3DS version and man there were so many I could catch with 2 and 3 and 4% <laughs> if I just tried it 3 or 4 times <laughs> and you could get some and even in the original Game Boy games you could get some really high level monsters that were well above your ability and you'd never see anywhere and just steal them from the random people that you were fighting that was always great yeah 
Um, I remember I didn't get very far in the Japanese version of um, Terry's Wonderland. That was one of the few um, Dragon Quest games that I imported. But I do remember I got to... I got to a point where I was able to fuse one of those three size monsters, and I was surprised. It's the monster, I don't remember if it's originally from the Monsters game specifically, but essentially it looks like a beetle that's constantly smiling. I think it was called Super 10 in the old Game Boy Color translations. Oh, yeah. And um, that was one of the three uh, size three monsters <laughs> I, could re- I could fuse. And I'm like, why is this a three size monster? Because I go to the farm, like you were talking about, and I see this giant dancing beetle when I go up to the balcony. I'm like, what the hell? I thought that thing was just a regular, like, one-size <laughs> star monster. What the heck is this? <laughs> and when I took it into one of the battles, like, it's just, like, towering over, like, the slime that I had in my party. And when mm-hmm. it attacks, like, all of a sudden, like, ten other ones jump out of nowhere of that beetle and just start attacking. It's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's so funny. But I yeah, they, there's some random ones that they throw in there. There was the worm, the freaking earthworm thing. From oh, like, was five or whatever. That's that's like one of the size three or four monsters. And you're like, really? <laughs> I think I saw I think I saw a little bit of gameplay with one like that. Like, I think they buff like that and like the giant slug enemy, like up to actual giant sizes. Because <laughs> I remember like when I was doing the I think it was the monster arena just at one point, like one of the enemies had a giant slug. I'm like, is that the same slug from Dragon Quest 2? Why is it now the size of a small house? <laughs> it was so funny. But I I, um, I haven't started uh, the Monsters 2 remake for my 3DS, but I, I do like it from the gameplay footage that I've seen, that there are the four-star monsters, and that each world now has its own like specific giant four-star monster as sort of like its guardian deity of sorts. Like, the Ice World has a really cool one where it looks like a giant uh, woolly mammoth with a giant igloo on its back. And it's got, like, this cool face mask. Its tusks are, like, this really cool, almost not a, not quite a blood red, but about that shade, like, a, that shade of a bright red. And it's mm-hmm. so cool looking. And I remember seeing a footage of it fighting off against um, what I think is supposed to be the Dragon Lord's, like, super form because in Dragon Quest Monsters 2, or Dragon Warrior Monsters 2, and this is also applies to the original Game Boy Color game, there are four special monsters in the boss family that are, like, brand new entirely and are supposed to be, like, the super-powered versions of four of the first four uh, villains from the first four Dragon Quest games. So, like, you have uh, the Dragon Lord, whose super form is Lord Draco, uh, uh, Saito, which was Mal Ross' name at the time, uh, had a powered-up form called Genocido, so even back then, they were still using puns. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let's see. Zoma's, I think, was Azure Zoma, if I remember correctly. Or mm-hmm. Azurma Azure, or something like that. And uh, Pizarro's was called Psycho Piz. Or Psycho... It's, it's kind of like a, a play on Psycho Wiz, almost. But it was just a P-I-Z at the end. And when you saw the like, you saw the artwork, like I think it must be new artwork for them from the, the 3DS remake specifically. You look at those things. Honestly, they're some of the really... Like the cool, some of my favorite Toriyama designs. They are so cool looking, and it's such an interesting take on taking these four bosses and essentially like just beefing them up and making them even more demonic and evil than they kind of already were with the original games. (laughs) Like they're, I I I have a heck of a time finding the artwork for them, and I might have them on my phone somewhere. But if you can find the artwork for those four monsters, like from the 3DS remake. They all look really cool, especially Psycho Pizarro, because it looks like Pizarro's 
almost like fused with Estark, but he's wearing like a purple clo- like purple cloak to hide half of his form. It's it's a really interesting take on the character design. I really like it. Anybody else want to comment or can we move on? I will say uh, one more thing. I really enjoy some of the original music for the Monsters games. Like the song Never Ending Journey from the first one is still one of those songs that has stuck with me after, like all these years. That's the or one after where all you go years. through uh, the... That's the one you ha- you have in Dungeons, correct? Yeah, that's uh, the song that plays in Monsters 1 when you're exploring the portal worlds. Yeah. Yes, that song always sticks with me. I always... <laughs> I could listen to that song all day long and never get tired of it. Me too. I thought that the remake of that song that's featured in uh, Joker 2... Uh, Joker 2 in the uh, snow area isolation. I think that they that's a really good remake of that song. For one, it's not in like the really bad MIDI synth that um, Sugiyama seems to like to use nowadays, like you hear in uh, Joker th- or uh, Terry's Wonderland. But it has a really cool sound to it because it emulates on the DS or with the DS sound system that they used. It really can emulate the sound of the woodwinds and how like the violins sort of pick up and the string instruments sort of pick up as the song uh, sort of reaches this climax before it quiets back down to start the song over again. And I feel like that kind of emulates the song a little bit better than what they tried to do in the Terry's Wonderland remake, which I just feel like didn't really do. It's still a good song, don't get me wrong. Like no matter what version it is, it's still a good song. But I think that if the former hardware for the hand, for Nintendo handhelds can do a better job uh, portraying the song better than what the newer handheld could do. That's not a good sign for the music quality that that Sugiyama was using. But that's just a minor nitpick because otherwise that song is just it's probably one of my favorite Dragon Quest songs ever. It's just so good. I could listen to that just like you Barurian, I could just listen to that song endlessly. It's so good. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a, another franchise here. We'll get away from uh, Dragon Quest, our bread and butter. Um, another one that uh, has relied heavily on puns, uh, Yokai Watch. It's uh, developed by Level 5, and this uh, I remember this came over six, seven years ago uh, to the United States, and since releases come out here, two to three years after they do in Japan. Um, we're still waiting on Yokai Watch 4 for the Switch. I want to say it came out last summer in Japan, and they announced that it would be here in the United States. It's not yet, but... <laughs> I blame the pandemic on that one. Yeah, that very be well honest. could be, because, yeah. you know, like I said, it takes a couple years to come out, so the fact that this might be around the target when you start hearing about it, and we haven't heard a thing, that could be a problem here. But these games, I, I don't know what got me to all, all these kind of monster games. I hear, see them. I'm like, oh, that's different. I mean, I like Pokemon. I play all the Pokemon games, but then I see these two and I'm like, ooh, this year there's no Pokemon game. What's this? Let me try uh, this one out. And I played Yokai Watch one, two, three. And the third one came out about a year and a half ago. It was a one of the last things on the 3DS. Uh, We were talking before the show. I won't go into it all, but it's a pain to find a physical copy for this. Uh, They didn't print many at all. I I was calling six different GameStops the night that it came out because Amazon hadn't even given me. I'd had it pre-ordered for months and didn't even say it was close to shipping. Nothing. I got no information from them. It was just like, yeah, we got your order. You know, we'll get to it. But ended up picking it up and it was a blast. Uh, Blast. I got my own pun in there. 
um, because they've got this whole side quest of uh, Yokai Blasters, which was another game in the series that was more of like a real-time mystery dungeon-esque game that they almost sandwiched the entire game into Yokai Watch 3 as a side quest that I think I sunk at least 20 hours onto and didn't finish. But the game basically is you're a boy that's in Japan, very obviously. But the way they localized the first two games, they're like, no, 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 it's in America. He's in America. Yeah. Um, Which created a little bit of a problem for Yokai Watch 3, because in Yokai Watch 3, in Japan at least, the boy was like, the dad's like, we're moving to America. We're picking up and we're moving to America. And the kid had to adjust to life in America and they totally, you know, do what Japan does, uh, thinking what life in America is really like. <laughs> so when they had to localize that for here, it was like, uh, <laughs> hamburgers are- and tacos. Yep. Like we, we already said that this was in America, but now the kids move into America. So I can't remember the puns, but they moved here and everything was like this, Yahoo, yeah, we southern accent, Texan oh. accent stuff. They they just went crazy with it, and um, they it, it it's hilarious. It's it's level five. It looks like a lot of level five stuff on the 3ds. Um, they got the side quests, just like to me. It, it reminds when I play it, I just think of like Dragon Quest Nine. I think of Professor Layton games. That's what it kind of reminds me of, but. The battle system's a little bit different than your turn-based. Um, it's kind of turn-based, where your monsters are constantly attacking, and you can rotate them left and right, because the premise is you have a watch, and the yokai are in your watch. And you can rotate your watch so that different monsters are in the battle at different times, and you can kind of use items and give them a few commands, but for the most part, they're just doing their regular attacks over and over and like you pick stuff so it's a little bit more involved than just you know pick one-on-one battles i I think that's what i do like the battle system more than pokemon i've i'm completely over pokemon's one verse one all the time although it's good to revisit for a while it's like man i want something else and that's why i I really love those doubles Eh, doubles are all right but it's mainly singles all the time yeah, that's why I'm not a big fan of Pokemon uh, very much either. It's just, I got, I mean, I didn't mind it very much, like the single battle stuff when I was a kid. But the older I've gotten, it's more like, no, I prefer having more of a party. Or like, mm-hmm. it's like if a dragon, like with Dragon Quest 1, I don't mind the single party thing just, you know, because it's one dude going off and doing everything. But when you have like a team of six critters, it'd be nice if you had the option to, um, like in the settings or something, like have it by default be double battles or triple battles, you know, so you can use your, um, you know, you can use more uh, monsters at once, you know, that mm-hmm. you collect with you, which is why I like Dragon Quest monsters as a kid more. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, why I like Yokai Watch too, because, you know, like what you were saying, Matt, where you can uh, turn the, uh, you know, you turn like the, I think it's like the LR buttons, essentially mm-hmm. like you're turning the wheel of your monsters, so you can like pop out different ones if they have like their special meter charged up, or mm-hmm. you can, I, does that, did it have like strengths and weaknesses for different monster types? Am it I does, and if you put like two monsters of the same kind next to each other in your watch, you'll get bonuses when those two are in and they're next to each other. Okay. Yeah, so that was like, something that I remembered liking. was a bonus. Okay, because that was something that I remembered liking about that, where you could... So I think there was, like, one in the first game where you get as, like, a, from a story one, and you can team him up with, um, next to, like, the mascot character, Jabanyan, and you got, 
like bonus stats or something like that. So I, I kind of like that little bit of strategy for it. Yeah, it, it adds something different. I mean, it's, you know, it's not as I, it's not as fleshed out as a Pokemon game would be. All these games kind of take place in one or two cities. Yokai Watch 3 finally, like, Yokai Watch 2 goes into the past. So there's an extra little city. Yokai Watch 3, you're playing as two different characters, one left behind in quote unquote not Japan and one in the new America and you actually go to like one or other two other cities but it's a very like hey you're a kid on summer break and this is just what you're gonna do you you go home to sleep at night your parents are there sometimes you gotta <laughs> deal with one uh, a yokai that is inspiriting that's the big thing they inspirit people and uh, basically everything bad in the world anytime anybody has an argument it's because there's a yokai invisibly behind them making them do bad things or making them really ticked off your parents fight and you're like why are my parents fighting oh my god and you're like oh wait a minute let me turn on my yokai watch oh yeah there's a bad yokai there they're making my parents fight let me kill them (laughs) Uh, have any of you guys else played yokai watch i've thought about it but i have no (laughs) knowledge on the games so i kind of just don't know which one to play yeah, at this point, you should just play the third. It is, uh... I'm it, fine it with learns. that. Mm-hmm. The battle you... system is a little bit different than the first two. I'm trying to think what they changed about it. I thought there was, well, there was just I a might. the first two, then it won't matter. It won't matter, yeah. I was going to say, the story is, like, it doesn't, like... It's, is it isn't one of those series where you can pretty much just jump into any entry and you're going to be fine. Like, you don't need to know about, well, this happened in the first game, so you, if you're going, you're going to be, like, totally lost. Like it that. is the same character every time, but honestly, there you know, it, they, there's always a story reason at the beginning. Like, hey, look, oh man, I woke up and someone took all my yokai medals. I guess I have nobody, and now there's this problem in town. So let's go do it. I mean, there's some callbacks, but you you can jump in at any time. You're not gonna. The, these are not exactly the games that you're like, oh man, I'm missing out on some really deep lore here. Okay. But, Ah, <laughs> uh, deep I, I lore. Figured, I, I figured that might be the case, just because you know level five usually has like pretty accessible games, regardless. But you know, I didn't know if it would be like something where it's like, oh well, you know, you're not gonna understand this unless you played the first game, or you're not gonna get this little tidbit unless you like absolutely beat the game. You know? Yeah, your little ghost butler dude will tell you sometimes. Hey, do you remember we fought this guy before? And I I've played these games come out so infrequently. It's like three years between them, and I'm like, oh, I did really. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll fight him again. But it, it is actually the same character that goes from one to two to three. Oh, okay. The third one goes really off kilter though, with the whole puns and the whole play on America. You end up in the Wild West at one point, um, and it goes bizarre because there's aliens. Oh, that was the big thing. Uh, number three has uh, gosh, I. I can't remember if it's the Y files or the Z files. I want to say it's the Y files. And there's totally a not Mulder and not Scully the whole way through the game. <laughs> oh, that's that's wonderful. That's yep. hilarious. And they're like, they, they think there's aliens. And really, almost everything that they think is an alien threat, you're like, it's just a yokai. But I can't tell these people because they can't see them. They don't know what's going on. But then there really are aliens at one point, And... <laughs> There's yokai superheroes at one point. You have to go save a city, and they've got a whole set of superheroes. It it just goes... They throw everything into that game, and it's just crazy and funny, and the puns... Um, gosh, I wish I could figure out... There was a lion at the beginning 
that tried to translate for you because you go to this new town and, you know, in the Japanese game, it'd be it makes sense that this kid can't understand because he just moved to Japan or he moved to America, what people were saying. So they had a translator. Oh, it was a whole pun, too. And I even asked some a buddy who lives in Japan and he went and looked it up and the pun actually worked in Japanese, too. I'm like, man, they really put a lot of time into this and even the localizations, which may be another reason why it takes two years to get these. I'm sure they're not a high priority. Did wait, this yeah, is it, this is did Nintendo handle the translation for this or did yeah, Level Nintendo, 5 do it? Nintendo is usually the ones that handle Level 5 like games mm-hmm. for their systems. I don't know so if Level 5's ever self-published anything over here. So, um, so Treehouse I mean, did on, that. I mean, on, I mean on Nintendo systems, but to be specific, oh, I don't know if they okay. did any of their PlayStation games. Sorry, I should have been more specific when I said that. No, no, no. I, I could tell you that, that that is not the case with some of their Sony stuff. But we're uh, not talking about know, that. Excellent. <laughs> but yeah, in the English version of the game, when you're playing it, like the kid comes over and people are all like, yeah, oh, the city. It's not the USA. He's in like BBQ. That's the name of the country. He's moved to the BBQ region. And that's why it's so, all Texas. southern. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's all southern. And there's so heavy accent. And the kid's like, I can't understand what kids are saying at school or whatever. So you have to get a uh, translator guy. And he's a lion. What is trying to think what the pun is there can't remember i've talked about it on other podcasts in the past but <laughs> it's pretty funny it, it, it's it's a fun series it's different it's uh way more silly way more goofy and i mean there's side quests and post-game content galore and all these like you would expect kind of from a level five i do like level five games ever since they did dragon quest eight. Oh yeah that's what got me although i will say i think i played dra- the dark cloud before that but did uh, level five did, good. Rogue, did actually did Rogue Galaxy come out before Dragon Quest Eight? That's a good question. E- either way, um, I think it was either one way or the other. It was oh, level five did this. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they did uh, Dragon Quest Eight and Nine, and really set the series up well here in the United States. I think that was Seth Green that really did that. <laughs> <laughs> In Dragon Quest Nine, you can do all sorts of things. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, well, if we're talking Seth, Green, it's time to uh, move on to another series. Um, and this one's not even a series; it's just a one-off. But it is a one-off from a popular series, Monster Hunter Stories. Yangus, right, you yeah. uh, you you played that, Yangus? Like I've I've played a lot of the Monster Hunter games, but. How is stories by comparison to the actual like main franchise? So, yeah, so I am a Monster Hunter fan. Like I became a fan of the series back on the Wii with a uh, Monster Hunter Try. A buddy told me about it. We both got the demo disc from GameStop. I was bad at playing it, but I still was having a lot of fun figuring everything out. And from there, I've played most every Western release that's come out, whether it's uh, on a handheld or a home console, just you know whatever the case might be. Uh, anyway, I remember, yeah, I remember us playing a lot of uh, Three Ultimate on the Wii U. We did. That was that was fun. Yeah. That was that was great uh, revisiting that game too because Three Ultimate they really fine tuned a lot of the stuff from Try that worked and they made it better and they added in a new weapon types, new monsters. They added in an extra little sidekick character for you. Like that that was a great like like that was a game that even though technically it, like, you could I could have called it double dipping since I bought the 
new version of it for the Wii U. It, it was well worth buying it, and that I had a lot of fun playing it, playing that, not only with uh, playing with you, Berurian, but with a lot of the other people I met on there, too. Because most people were pretty, I mean, I, it was a smaller community because the Wii U just wasn't that popular of a system, but most everybody that was playing was pretty chill and pretty relaxed about everything, and it, it was easy to joke around with them or use the voice chat to be like, okay, well, you know, we'll, you know, we'll redo this quest a few times if we need to. But, um... Anyway, getting off topic here. So, with Monster Hunter Stories, it was a game that, when Capcom first announced it, it seemed like an interesting idea where it was a game where instead of you fighting the monsters, it was the monsters fighting alongside you, and you either fought against other monsters or other, like, uh, I don't remember what they're called in Monster Hunter Stories. I think they're just trainers or something like that. And, you know, it's just essentially you're teaming up with all these monsters that you would normally fight against. And, like, from playing the main series, that was a really cool idea to hear about because there's plenty of monsters that I've faced in the main games where it's like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool actually to team up with this thing or, you know, use this as like sort of your trusty steed as you're right in the battle and face off against your enemies. And, you know, because you have most monsters in the series are usually based after a real life animal or based off of an animal plus a combination of some sort of dinosaur. So you get a really cool, you get a lot of really cool and interesting designs from the series as a whole. Um, Anyway, so I didn't really get that far into the game, though, even though it had a really interesting you know, concept and everything going in. It really just didn't do it for me because it's more of a turn-based RPG instead of an action RPG like uh, the main series games are, which I wasn't against it being turn-based by any means, but it's more of kind of a rock, paper, scissors sort of mentality with the with the combat, and Platy might be able to talk about that a bit better when he talks about the game. But yeah, I, it's that battle system, it's it's quite basic. It, it's definitely not as fleshed out with, like, lots of different types and lots of different weaknesses and everything. Um, yeah, it, it, it does have your rock, paper, scissors. There's, there's literally, like, three things, and you can get a better attack if you pick the one and they pick the other. Yeah. So, admittedly, the battle system itself just didn't really invest me that much. And, you know, with the, with RPGs especially, if like, like the story for me doesn't really have to be a big selling point. As long as the combat is fun and the gameplay itself is fun to go through, like the motions, then I'm fine with that. Like, I'm not a big fan of the Persona series at all, but I still enjoy the dungeon crawling and the battle mechanics because it's still, you know, what you'd expect from an Atlas RPG where you got to kind of figure out things and... You know, strengthen yourself, make combinations of characters and whatnot, you know, whatever the case might be, uh, get stronger demons. And I was hoping that Monster Hunter Stories was going to be a bit more like that, where you could strengthen your monsters and the combat was going to be more than just like, okay, you pick attack or you pick defend or you pick the third option and you kind of rock, paper, scissors your way through it. So that kind of killed some of the fun of it for me. But I did like the visual style, how it had a more cartoony look. Monsters still had that more realistic look to them, but kind of more almost like somebody applied like a bit of a cartoony esque filter on them as well. Like there's some there's some pretty funny like almost they're almost chibi esque I would say, but without being like a full chibi design of a monster. Almost just like you took the monster, kind of shrunk it down a bit, and just sort of um, instead of making it look a little bit more realistic, they just kind of smoothed out some of the details so it looked a little more cartoony. But 
like one of my favorite things about Monster Hunter stories, even though I wasn't huge on it, was that you could team up with some of the different monsters that are sort of notorious from the series. Like you have the Kirin, which is based off of the Kirin of mythology, where it's you know has the powers of lightning that resembles a horse. But in dra- uh, but in Monster Hunter, it resembles more of a dra- of a dragon-like creature because it's part of the Elder Dragon family, and it's cool that you get to actually team up with them as not only as a steed for yourself, but that it can fight alongside you and normally those things are so notorious in the main series for being nasty with their lightning well the fact you get a you're able to turn that around on your enemy is admittedly kind of satisfying even though the combat itself might not be the most in-depth seeing stuff like that and seeing these monsters use some of their iconic moves or some of their iconic abilities to uh fight for you instead of against you it's kind of satisfying I, i will admit that that's one of my favorite aspects of the game for sure is getting to see these monsters just fight for you and defeat these monsters that are coming at you and you get a fight alongside them as well. And um, the other monster I was glad to see and Platty told me about this one since he got farther in the game than I did was um, towards the end of it. I think you can finally team up with a devil show, which I told like Plat- when Platty told me that he found one of them. I remember just kind of going in depth with him about everything about those monsters because they are a nomadic <laughs> species from the series. They're one that constantly shows up and they're have an endless appetite because of how their body structure works and, um, and their, how their metabolism works as well. So you get some really interesting encounters with them in the main series because they can just start attacking another monster and basically start eating it to try and get their energy back up. Like, they're basically cold-blooded killers against anything that gets in their way. So the fact that you get to team up with one of these things to fight for you, like... I don't care what you say. That's really cool. That is that it would be so sweet as a Monster Hunter player to get to actually fight alongside a Devil Joe instead of having to deal with one of those things ruining whatever quest you were working on because it showed up and it's like, oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it from being a, a fan of the main series, I would prefer sticking with the main series. But it was it wasn't a bad idea for a spinoff by any means, and I think it was a. You know, it's an interesting take on how to change up the Monster Hunter formula, and I hope at some point Capcom will revisit the idea again, because I think there's a lot more they could do with it, and maybe if they sort of fleshed out the battle system a bit more, it could be a bit more of an engaging experience for the player, and I might, you know, want to stick with it all the way through the end, because honestly, I just don't remember too much about that game from what it was trying to do with the story or what it was trying to do with the characters. I just remember that you could fight alongside a lot of these cool monsters that you met, and that, that was really all I kind of cared about. Yeah, and I made it all the way through, and I've never played a Monster Hunters game other than, like, a demo a couple times, and I've been like, meh, I'm not a big action role-playing game fan anyway, so it, it wasn't for me. I, I really want the battle system to be what I enjoy with a game, and it, I haven't got that out of those games, and that's fine. I know it's very popular. People love it. Um, but when this one came out, it came out with a demo on the 3DS, and it was something that, like, I sunk four or five hours into that demo. You just have this huge area. Um, and, yeah, you're a person. They find you at this village, and they're like, oh, you can tame monsters, too. Cool. We're a little subsect that actually tames these monsters. I know the rest of the world hunts them, but we have the power to tame them. And it's funny because the way you get new monsters a lot is randomly throughout the world there's um monsters dens and when you get to the end of the monster den there's a nest and 
you can walk in there and pick up an egg and a lot of times the monster's in there and you're like trying to grab this egg and they're huge you're like waddling out with the egg carrying it out of the dungeon and getting it back to hatch it um at the village and I, I mean i don't remember a lot of the details from this game i do remember much like monster hunter games it's all about equipment you can get all this different equipment you're getting pieces dropped from the battles that you have and like oh now i've got this, all this cool armor and it doesn't really affect the stats as much um individually but you can get a whole set and that looks really cool and maybe grant some fire resistance or something so it, it like uh Yangus was saying it's definitely a different take on the series. I thought it was good. I the battles at least went quickly, even though they were pretty. Uh, uh, like I said they weren't deep um, affairs too much, but they did go quickly. They were fun enough that I was like, oh, this is fun. I mean, the um, areas were just huge that you were walking around in. Like, I I don't know. I'm surprised the 3ds could keep up with this kind of stuff that it was just such vast vast areas you're talking like dragon quest 8 kind of areas and there were just so many continent-sized areas that you'd be going and exploring yeah um that's it, definitely it, one of the most impressive things about that game too like i mm-hmm. was pretty surprised like you platy how big some of these areas were and how detailed they were and i do like too how they sort of employ the different abilities like different monsters have where you can use one to help you climb up certain walls or, you know, if you got one that can swim, it can go across this water for you safely. You know, so there there was a lot of thought, I think, put into the world design. And it reminded me a lot of um, like how Capcom changed things. It almost makes me think maybe that they did that as sort of an experimentation for what they wanted to do with Monster Hunter World, because in Monster Hunter World, um, instead of areas being split up by little sections, where it's like area one, area two, every area three, uh, for your different world maps that you would travel to to fight monsters, instead all of the environments were like one giant seamless map that you would explore instead. And I almost wonder if Monster Hunter Stories was sort of their way of testing that to see maybe what players thought of it before they tried to employ it into the main series. Because with how with how Monster Hunter Stories handles the environments where you know you got big explorable areas, which again, are pretty impressive that the 3DS could handle that as well as it did, that it seems like perhaps that was just sort of an experimental phase that actually really paid off for them to then be like, okay, you know, we'll employ this into the main series because in World, it it works great for it, and it's so much easier than to find certain monsters. Absolutely. But what were you going to say? Oh, that was about it. I was going to wrap this one up and... uh move on to some other series i know we had uh, planned on having brother jaybird on here tonight he uh unfortunately couldn't make it but he had mentioned bringing up uh, monster rancher and this is something i have no experience on so i'll let you guys uh, and i know we chatted about it beforehand that we have very little with this um you guys want to spend maybe five minutes on this one and i i always really liked the concept Monster Rancher, because I know it was a PS1 game way back in the day, and I remember seeing the cartoon when it came on television. I actually watched a fair amount, if not like at least half of that series, and I enjoyed the monster design for it a lot from the cartoon. I kind of enjoyed what they kind of did with it, because the mo- you know the monsters could talk with the humans; they all had their own personalities and everything. But um. Mechanically speaking with the game, I always liked the idea that you could scan CDs to find monsters. It was kind of a... I I don't believe anything else was kind of doing that thing at the time that Monster Rancher was doing that I can think of. Do do any of you have any idea if that was the case? 
like the only game I can think of that lets you scan a CD for extra stuff was um, a game called uh, Vib Ribbon for the PS1, where you put yeah. that in and it would like make a track based there was on a, the song you picked there, or whatever there a, um, CD you put in. I mean, yeah, there was a there was another PS1 game that was very similar to that that I a friend had an imported Japanese copy of. It was basically the same kind of thing. You would scan a CD, and it would... It was basically DDR, but you would scan a music CD, and it would generate a track for that. But um, I guess in terms of monster hunting, there wasn't... Or monster collecting, there wasn't really anything else kind of doing that at the time, which made it a very big draw. And I always wanted to try it, but, you know, my parents would never buy it for me, and I didn't have a job at the time the game was out, so... I, I could, tried I could it never myself. Give it a try. Yeah, I tried it myself, and it was um, it was odd. Uh, it was a neat gimmick <laughs> being able to throw a CD in there and get a random monster. And I want to say that there was another. I don't know if it was another Monster Rancher game or just another series in general, but there was one you could scan barcodes and it would generate a monster for you. I, I feel like I remember something like that in the early 2000s. It was kind of like its own console thing. It, maybe if it wasn't on a PS1. That might be it. I, I Foggy memories of that time. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember something in that time period of, yeah, you go out and you scan barcodes of everyday items and you can earn monsters. It was kind of like a Tamagotchi kind of yeah, thing. But the, you know, the main oh, gameplay... Go ahead, yeah, the, the gameplay loop of Monster Rancher, I've played it a little bit. I've got it kicking around here somewhere, was basically you had, you generated a monster, you had so much time during the day for different tasks, and you could set them to train in different ways. And then at the end of the season, you'd put them into a tournament. And that's like all I really remember of it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I didn't even think about this one when we were coming up with a series, and I'll talk about it for all of like 30 seconds, but this whole scanning stuff, just the way you said that, um, Brurian, have any of you ever played Denpa Men on... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I played the hell out of that first game. I loved it <laughs> so much, because you know why? Because it reminded me a lot of a Dragon Quest game. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that one, you got new monsters by different Wi-Fi signals. Yep. Yeah, I, you remember would, uh, go- I remember going everywhere to find specific monsters because it was like, oh, I need, I need, uh, I need to dimp them in with a really good cure ability. So I went, I would drive around to different to different areas and scan to see if I could find something. Yep, I lived in a townhome community when I got that. So it was great. I'd go walk the dog and, you know, I'd be passing 60 different houses, basically, who could possibly have different Wi-Fis in all of like five minutes. So it was very quick. And I do remember like right around the corner, right by the dumpster, um, towards the back of the neighborhood. One time I had a chance to catch the Denpa man that had the like the heal assault spell, the version like because you mentioned it was like Dragon Quest. Well, there was one that had a spell that could heal everybody fully at max. And I missed it. And I swear I walked back and forth. And it wasn't but like 10, 12 days later that finally at that same corner, that same guy popped up again. So just hitting whatever frequency that Wi-Fi was. But yeah, it was generated by that. And there were three of these games. They were all um, 3DS store exclusives. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were ever physical, 
but I, no, I no, no. They were played the hell only. out of the first. Yep, played the hell out of the first, beat that, and then started to play the second one, and maybe it was too quickly back-to-back, -back, but I was like, oh my god, the grind-up, <laughs> this is just... Uh, nope, not going to do this. Not going to that's, go that's, that's how the first game felt at times. Is It just yep. had... Sometimes it just had a... Felt like a never-ending grind with yep. trying to get your party up just enough so you could make it to the end of a dungeon, which... I real I, I never gave the second or third ones a try, but the first one I played, gosh, I must have put 40, 50 hours into that game. Yeah, that was a big one when I was in college because a lot of us, like a lot of my buddies and I, we were all playing that at the same time, and we'd be like, oh, I got this dip, man. Like, oh, I got this one. And we were all trying to see if we could beat it. But honestly, like the second half of that game, it gets real grindy real fast. And we yes. all just kind of were like, oh, okay, this is getting ridiculous. Like, I, I just stopped playing the game because I normally don't mind a challenging RPG. But I don't like it to be challenging for where it feels just like, oh, you got to grind in order to get strong. Like that, I, I can't Yeah, do it was, you know, it was it either it was either you had to grind or you had to find the right dimpamen to get you through. <laughs> and if you didn't have yeah. one with this very specific ability, sometimes you mm -hmm. had a really hard time making it through a dungeon yeah that's because, why i gave uh, up on it yeah because what 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 i hated was you could get elementals and then you could get non-elemental dimpamen and that could severely impact your team if you go into a specific area and you don't have the right loadout mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah it's so, it, that's a whole there's a so, whole you want 100 rancher. hours of content <laughs> there's a bunch so yeah that's a monster game. rancher I didn't even know there was a third Dempelman game, to be honest with you. I uh, knew there was a second one, up. but I never knew there was a third you one. You should go and watch the Japanese commercials for those games sometime, because they are an acid trip. <laughs> oh yeah, it's still out there. The Dempelman 3, r r the rise of Digitol. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah. Digital, it's Digitol. Digitol. Wasn't that wasn't yeah, Digitol like in the first moon. game? I think that was the name of the island or something. He might have been, yeah. So this is this goes back to like 2014 and yeah. But yeah, definitely a very monster rancher. <laughs> monster rancher, yes. I, I I feel like I feel like some of the developers that worked on the game have previously worked on Dragon Quest games. I I, I want to say hmm. the only thing I really remember from Monster Rancher was that. I remember there was a TV show for it, and I just remember this, the theme song was just this obnoxious guy going like, "It's Monster Rancher, it's Monster Rancher, you're gonna go find him." It's just like was I don't it? remember the rest of the lyrics. I just remember him going, "Monster Rancher." It was so <laughs> stupid. Like even as a kid, I'm like, "This is so stupid." And we we would sometimes see it on at my daycare when I was a little kid, and I think we only watched it because we were waiting for like Pokemon to come on or something. <laughs> But you know what, like, oh. only thing I remember from that show, and I'll just say this real quick, and that's the only thing I have to say, is um, that there was a, a boy, this little pink and green monster-looking, like, roll-up sort of armadillo creature, a giant eyeball that was yellow with a big mouth and, like, was sort of the annoying character. He looked and like a shrimp. I, he looked <laughs> like a shrimp. And then I think there was, like, a rabbit with a southern accent, I think. Yeah, there was something like that. That sounds familiar. That, like, that's all I remember from that show, and other than the annoying theme song for it. And, I mean, it's it's cool, though, to see that the games are making sort of a comeback on the Switch where they've, like, done remasters for the old PS1 games for it. But I, Yeah, that's, that's really nice. I just don't really have much desire to check it out, but it's like, you know, it's cool they're, you know, bringing it back for the fans, however many there are. I don't know. 
Oh, sorry, what right. were you going to say? What were you going to say? Oh, uh, oh and, and 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 before before we move on, I I did I did double check the 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 developer for the uh, Dimpaman games, Genius mm-hmm. Sonority, had most of the staff on in that company previously have worked on Dragon Quest games. So I think that's, uh, and I didn't know that going in, and when I played it, it felt very familiar to me. So I think that's what drew me into it. And you know what? Just th- saying the like. Finding that one guy that had the heal us spell, heal us all spell. I want to say a lot of that felt very Dragon Questy, like a lot of the exact spell names, and it might have been like cure everyone all or something like that. I don't know, but you're right. I that is one reason I think I stuck with that game more than a lot of other little stuff. I mean, this was a 3DS download game for a couple bucks, yeah. and I, I don't think I spent 40, 50 hours on it, but I'm pretty sure I spent like 20, 30 on it, and I kept freaking walking that damn dog every day <laughs> bringing my 3ds around staring at it you know almost getting run over in the community because of that <laughs> yeah they also co-developed dragon quest swords oh look at that oh that's where i know the name so denpo man if you got a few bucks before the 3ds uh eShop dies in a year or two <laughs> i feel like it's I, I feel like it's one of those series where you got to say the name like just like with a really bad Japanese accent, a dimpumin or something like that. <laughs> no, no, you you got You got to flat say dimpumin, dimpumin. Three DS hotspot. <laughs> All right, we'll get out of dimpumin and monster rancer. Uh, we we've got another D word here. We've got uh, Digimon, and this is another one that I have almost nothing to say on. I actually beat Digimon World DS 15 years ago. Had a red dinosaur. He could evolve. He could devolve. I think there were split evolutions at some point. And that is my total memory of the entire Digimon series. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll let you guys uh, talk about this one more. So the only Digimon game that I have personally played was the one on the PS4, which was Cyber Sleuth. Um, I have not played any of the Digimon games before it, but I watched a lot of the of the anime back in the day when it was uh, new on uh, you know television and all that stuff. I know there's been a lot of them. There's been like 20, 30 games of Digimon at this point. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat as Brewery and where I grew up watching the show. I never really played any of the games. I did know about the PS1 game. I think it's called Digimon World, if I remember correctly. And apparently that's a notoriously hard game because of how the mechanics work. But um, I remember liking the show a lot more than I liked Pokemon, or like the Pokemon show as a kid because like Digimon shows tended to handle, or, or, te- or not handle, but tended to uh, be geared a bit more towards uh, mature sort of content what they would focus on not something where it's like graphic or anything like that sort of mature, no, they just they just more had so more the themes. They, they had more like more adult social commentary compared to say pokemon yeah that that's what i'm trying to get at they had more of a commentary to stuff or how like the kids would handle certain events in their lives like one of my favorite series or uh, seasons of that show in particular was uh, tamers which I believe was season three of it over here. And it was one where the kids, originally they start out in Japan and they meet their Digimon. They have to take out the, like the 12 Zodiac Digimon. And eventually they end up going to the digital world uh, through, I don't remember the means of how they get end up getting there, but they have to uh, find their way home essentially. And a, a villain ends up following them out of that. 
but during that whole section there's one of the girls I think her name was Terry if I remember correctly she has her partner Digimon uh, Leomon ends up getting into a fight and he ends up dying from it unfortunately which causes her to have some real stress issues like she pretty much shuts down has like post-traumatic stress disorder from it she doesn't want to open up or talk to anybody all she really can think about is Leomon like the last words he told her and it's because of that then that then leads to uh, the, the overall villain of the show to escape from the digital world and cause problems within uh, the human world. And it was really interesting watching that as a kid, and I'm not going to go into too much details, but mainly to see it, what she was going through and how something like that affected her was like something that was sort of affecting my life at the time. So it was felt like a more relatable experience, a more relatable show than like something like Pokemon was, where it's like, I just want to be the best. It, it felt more human, I would say, like more of a, like they were trying to go for a genuine um, sort of connection you could have with these characters almost. And that's why I've sort of always appreciated Digimon because like looking at some of the other seasons of the show and from watching as a kid and kind of looking back as it now as an adult, it's like, hi, huh, you know, there was actually a lot of more adult themes that they were tackling and, you know, more for, you know, kind of, asking kids to sort of understand these concepts that perhaps could be a bit challenging for them, but, you know, it's something that they should try to come and understand. And it was interesting seeing that from an English translation, too, still mostly being intact, because, you know, most uh, shows at the time that were from Japan that were getting translated over here were usually by four kids, and they really changed the content of stuff. So it's just kind of interesting how they kind of kept that intact with the show for the most part when get, when bringing it to a western audience yeah and that was um they actually took some risks with digimon that were rare for the time the cartoon show by having it be a continuous narrative instead of just monster of the week mm-hmm. um a lot of cartoon producers in that era hated that idea uh, because they they just wanted a commercial, you know. Um, so the fact that they took the time to license it and localize it uh, was actually a really big risk. Because it just goes against everything that they were trying to put on the TV at that time. Stuff that targets children. They they don't they didn't believe that kids would follow an ongoing narrative from week to week. Yeah, that was the cool thing about that show, too, how, like, especially with watching the first uh, season of the show, how they started off on um, File Island, and eventually it led on to, they defeated uh, the villain of that one, which I think was Devimon, if I remember right. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they ended up fighting about the four masters who essentially were controlling, like, the digital world as a whole. Uh, they then, oh, I don't remember what happens after that. I think either they either go back to... Uh, their home but you know you had like a story that constantly was changing and evolving and you see the characters growing from their experiences so that was something that i found really cool as a kid and that's why also like i like um that digimon tamer uh, season so much because it really had to focus on the characters changing and like even the villains changing too but you didn't really see that so much as a kid yeah that's a good point that you uh, or we didn't see that with television at the time i mean so that's a good point you brought that up but um, for games, I like I haven't played any of them, but I do have uh, the Cyber Sleuth uh, collection for my Switch. I got it for like 20 bucks brand new, and I just haven't started it up yet. But I'm looking forward to playing it because I want to see how many of them 
that I remember that I recognize from a kid, and how many of them are going to be like, well, I have no idea what one this one is. <laughs> I think you will. I think you will enjoy Cyber Sleuth. I, having never played a Digimon before, and I I played through a fair amount of that game. I really enjoyed it. I haven't heard a negative word spoken on Cyber Sleuth. That's one that regularly comes up recommended as, to me while I'm streaming. As an RPG, it's very solid. That's good. Yeah, it's good to hear. Hmm. So, what's the collection for the Switch? Is that a couple older games, or um, it's the two? I think. It's Cyber Sleuth is the main package of it. And then I think what it was is that I don't know if the PS4 version or if it was something for the Vita, but there was like essentially a second story that was added as DLC that you could get where it's either from another perspective or it's just um, like a sequel sort of story to it. And the Switch version is basically you have both those games in one package. So, So the PS4 version had some DLC missions that you could do. That were like I think a dollar each, and there were like four of them. It might just be all of that packaged together. Oh, could be. I haven't looked too much into that, but, but it, I it's, do know it's not the it's not the other uh, Digimon games on the PS4 that's packaged into that Switch version, is it? Because I think there was a sequel to Cyber Sleuth. Don't I, again, Cyber Sleuth is the only Digimon game that I have personally played. Yeah, let me look real quick on my because I got my copy over here on my shelf. We'll take a look and see what the box says on the back. Because I, I know I picked I was looking that up and decided to get it for the Switch because it had kind of an all-in-one sort of thing to it. Um, let's see. Yeah, it says includes both Digimon Story, uh, Cyber Sleuth, and Hacker's Memory in one game. So, yeah, it's basically a oh. two-for-one package. Ha- yeah, Hacker's Memory was another PS4 title. So, yeah. Yeah, so basically it's a two-for-one then. All righty, so... Anybody else got any more Digimon memories before we move on? That theme song has never left my head after all these years. <laughs> I always, I, final thought is I always liked how the, you could digivolve them up and down. You could go back and forth with uh, with different evolutions of them, comparative to, like, Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the, like, three things I remember from that game. Had a little dinosaur, beat it, but I could go up and down. They do have the branching evolutions, right? You can, if I'm not mistaken, or am I totally off on that? Like, you can evolve uh, one of two ways? I believe yeah. so. It, it did. Kind of Each of the Digimon had, like, so many digi-evolutions, depending on how they were raised. But you could also de-evolve them back to, like, a base form. Okay, so if you didn't get to go the way you wanted, you could... That's how I always understood why there was that de-evolving. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I... otherwise, why would you go back to an earlier form? Yeah. I remember, because um, I had the guidebook for that Digimon World game, which was funny because I didn't have a PS1, but I had that guidebook from, I think, a buddy of mine who gave it to me, or I just happened to get it. And um, I remember it saying, like, depending on how you trained the Digimon, that can also affect what they evolved into because like one thing was hygiene was a factor and if you didn't like properly take care of your digimon or make it like clean up after itself if it did something like it eventually would turn into what was literally just like a piece of poop digimon (laughs) well i mean it was a this was a bandai namco game you got to remember that this was sort of based off tamagotchi so if that makes sense oh yeah that's what they originally Uh, were i had one of the old uh digimon tamagotchi toys that had a uh, a little link thing at the top and you could stick them together and they'd fight each other 
Yeah. Huh. Oh, I actually didn't know that they uh, were inspired off of that Tamagotchi stuff. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they were kind of marketed as like Tamagotchi for boys because, you know, they're monsters <laughs> that fight each right. other. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the gosh, the only people I knew in middle school that had Tamagotchis were boys. <laughs> yeah, I had one. <laughs> I, I had one I had as both. well. <laughs> we know I always a... remember the. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I also had a just a regular Tamagotchi. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always remember the big argument uh, when I was a kid was which one was better, Digimon or Pokemon? That was always like what we would talk about because Pokemon was real big when I was a kid. Like that was like one of the big new things when I was like five or six or so, because that's when the first generation came out. But that's also around the time that Digimon started coming out. So it was always an argument on the playground between the guys where it's like, no, Digimon is better. No, Pokemon is better. You know, (laughs) it's just that old. It's kind of like the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo versus the Sega Genesis sort of argument where it's like, no, that the or the Pokemon is better because of this. No, the Digimon is better because it has this for it. Different generation, same sort of argument. <laughs> I think that's about all I got on Digimon as far as that goes. All right, let's move on to the next game on our list. Uh, there's actually three of these out. Um, I don't think any of us have had played uh, many of them, but uh, the series is called Cyrillum. You want to talk about this one? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Happy to. Uh, and on top of the three being out, they've also announced a, a digital card game coming out for it. And I think a fourth game has also been announced. But um, Cyrillim is a fantastic monster training RPG. It's an indie RPG. It definitely looks like an indie RPG. The, uh, the sprite work in it is rough, but um, yes. it tends to run very cheap on Steam. And it's available on most of the consoles it's even available on mobile and i i want to say that all of the games even allow for cross-platform saving so you can play it on steam and then you can load up your game on your cell phone and take it on the go um cyrillim is interesting because it's kind of like this fusion with uh roguelikes um there's a dungeon and the deeper you go into it the better monsters you find, the better treasure you find, of course. If you die, you don't lose everything, and instead, you have to start back on the first floor of the dungeon again. What confuses things and makes things more complicated is the entire game scales itself to your current party. So every time you go in to the first level of the dungeon, the monsters there are about the equivalent of what you have. So progressing further and further, is always going to be very difficult. That reminds um, me a lot of Azure Dreams from the PS1, which oh kind of did the same thing. That's a name I've not heard in a long, long time. <laughs> 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 um, what really sets Cyrilim apart is how customizable everything in it is. You are given so much control Um not just in how you form your teams, which your monster teams are members of six active uh, monsters at a time. So mm-hmm. it's six on six combat. Um, really, after the first hour of the game, it's always going to be six on six. Um, and the abilities and the way that they interact with the other monsters and the attacks and everything, it really makes for regularly engaging combat. It's not like in that Nintendo series where you're just... You know, you roll into combat and you use the strongest move that you have and you win and you move on. Um, 
(laughs) (laughs) Just two or three floors in, you're fighting things way stronger than your current group, and you have to be knowledgeable of the game to be at all successful. Uh, And there's just so many systems in it, and you even equip them with gear and that gear is customizable too and also gains levels so it's a very deep rabbit hole that uh continues to introduce i feel like a new system got introduced almost every hour i was playing it (laughs) and i'm fairly certain that i could go and pick it up play it for another hour and get introduced to another system that i wasn't even aware of uh and it's definitely one that i would recommend checking out um I've been told that there's not much reason to play uh, the first or second game anymore and to just pick up whatever the current one is because the the mechanics haven't really changed. They've only kind of evolved. So you'll just get a better overall experience playing a current one. And the first one didn't really have a story. Oh, it had pretty much no story. I think that's what finally made me peace out on it. Yeah, it just kind of kicks you into it. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. make your own fun. <laughs> and i mean i had fun like i said for about five or six hours i was doing a lot of that and then it just it, it made me realize i'm like okay i i don't there's no point to this you don't really and i think like i did go online and look this. at like two evolved it a little bit and i think when i played it three was still a little bit out it's been out for a couple of years now um but i did read i was in their discord server about a year and a half ago and i was actually um, at one point I posted a question and the developer answered like right away. So I kind of got yeah, back and forth on discord. Active. Yep. And I was asking like about how long the main story was and whatever. Cause I was thinking of, uh, trying to pick it up and review it at RP gamer. But for when we <laughs> write reviews right. on RP gamer, Don't you got to roll credits. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm going to stick with this to roll credits <laughs> yeah. enough to put out a full review. So it's, uh, it's daunting. It, um, it almost feels to me like the Disgaea of the monster hunting series where you have a very thin layer of story mm-hmm. and then just an ocean worth of content and depth hiding underneath it. Yeah, I mean, there's crafting in there. I saw at least for the third one. I, I kind of was looking mm-hmm. up the third one today, um, which is on Switch. It's $20, and like you said, it's on everything. These things are The third one's on mobile. These yeah. are not highly, <laughs> like you said, the, the sprite work is interesting. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it, this can run on everything. This is definitely a game that could run PC, you know, your, your three-year-old phone, your uh, five-year-old iPad. I'm sure pretty much anything can run this at this point, but... Yeah, it did have some interesting game. stuff and 700 monsters in this third one. Like, my gosh. Oh, my. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And That's on top crazy. of that, there's still like monster breeding, like fusing mm-hmm. uh, Dragon Quest monsters style. There's also um, a, a monster summoning system. Uh, so you can summon in fresh monsters instead of just combining two monsters that you even already have. Just the number of systems in it is mind-boggling but it introduces them very organically and slowly Mm -hmm. so you never feel like you're getting overwhelmed with it what i am overwhelmed with is the idea of going back to it after being away from it for a while (laughs) (laughs) because just racking my brain now over all of the stuff that there was in the first game like man i might as well just get the newest one or wait for the fourth one to come out and just start over that's that's how those games feel though. If you don't stay consistent with them, you just kind of lose everything. If you take any kind of break, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I picked up the first one, I want to say, on a Vita sale for a dollar. I want to get say the second one I got for like $3 at the same time. So it was a very low investment just to be like, hey, I'm going to do this. And I remember um, messaging Yangus back and forth and being like, I'm going to stick with it. I was looking at the trophy guides. Once I get my first like silver trophy, oh, I'm going to, no. that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. I was looking at the, uh, like that PSN trophies website. I was looking it up. I'm like, okay, like there's really no ending to this game. So my ending is going to be a silver trophy. And I think not long after, I mean, probably within a week of getting that, um, Trails of Cold Steel came in the mail for oh, my, no. uh, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you were distracted. That I was yeah. distracted. And yeah, <laughs> I've never gone back, but I think I would definitely pick up the most recent one, uh, number three because it does have a story mode and the developer told me um it was like 20 30 hours if you just wanted to kind of mainly go through that depending on how much you ground and whatever do your yeah. grinding and then if you you know enjoyed the gameplay loop getting through oh yeah the story then there's very very easily hundreds of hours of content to go through it, it even has kind of a weird multiplayer system where um, there, there's some kind of competition in how far you can get in like daily dungeons. And I think you're, you even have an online team that'll auto battle. Oh, wow. I feel like that was also a thing. Oh, that's, it's never that's like, it's never like a one-to-one -one like Pokemon thing where you're directly playing against each other. It's more like, a, hey, here's my team, and you just well, kind Joker of release was like it that. into the ether. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, Joker was like that. I forgot. Mm -hmm. That's how I got my Slimin tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you would log on and you'd control your team, but you were playing other people whose teams had been uploaded. Man, yeah, don't, even, well. don't even get me started on the Joker online. That was so busted. <laughs> <laughs> it was not balanced. No. <laughs> As a lot of these uh, first games in these series, we've uh, keep talking about like, oh, you know, skip the first one. Yokai Watch, go straight to number three. You know, you want to play yeah, one, go to three. With Cyrilim, I would probably say go straight to three, just based yep. on everything that I've heard on it. Um, and then uh, it, I would do that with the warning that it looks like there's probably a fourth one also coming out. But, yeah, there uh, was something, when I was looking it up today, I can't remember, it had a word, it wasn't like Cyrilim 4 or something, but I don't know if that was a collection or something, Cyrilim Ultimate or Cyrilim. I don't remember. Oh, it, it looks Lim like I left their Discord, dang it. But it, yeah, friendly developer. Cyrilim Ultimate, late 2020, it is not out. Oh great, it's gonna have a thousand monsters. Oh, a thousand monsters. Choose More monsters than you can shake a stick at. Oh my gosh! So I'll only, yeah. I'll only get it if they have a monster like they introduced in the Dragon Quest Monsters Two remake, where it's literally a wagon with a horse and just a bunch of random monsters surrounding it. <laughs> That's you really know, a monster. Okay. I'm not kidding. <laughs> We're getting to the point where pretty much anything you can imagine is there. <laughs> uh, I think I was like you, Platy, where I just picked up the first and second game like on the cheap for my Vita, but I never started them up but i know they were i think i still have them on there because i don't think they take up that much space like oh, uh, not for memory card wise <laughs> but like i mean i'm i'm, I'm curious to start them up and like from everything that uh saigon's been talking about with the games like you know i'd, I'd gladly give them a shot they sound like they'd be a fun time you know i they think they tend to run real like, cheap enjoy too. that because you enjoy your etrian odyssey with the team building and making that team and working with their skills quite a bit Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like something that'd be up my alley too. It's just, 
I just never got stirred with it. But it's not one of those games where like you miss out on content if you're not connected to Wi-Fi, is it? Because I know you said something about um, like a daily dungeon. Is that something that like blocks you out of content entirely, Saigon, or is that just only a pipeline? No, for it, the that's games? just for like um, like leaderboards and things. Um, the the online connectivity in the game is not what I would call robust. Um, okay. It, it's very much an afterthought. The focus of the game is not online play at all. <laughs> okay, all right. Just just check. No. I wanted to make sure it wasn't one of those games where you like totally missed out on something if you didn't connect to the Wi-Fi at it's like a certain point or whatever. You get 980 monsters. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> whatever. How will I ever get do. those last 20? <laughs> wow. All right. So I, I will. Uh, I'll do a real brief one here for the next one, and then. Uh, we do have a couple little ones left that people want to shill for, but uh, I'll do my shill first because, like I said, the idea for this episode came about because last week I was just, I don't know where I came across it, but I saw that there was a new Nexomon game, which I was like, what's Nexomon? I've never heard of this, but boy, that sounds familiar to something else. And uh, ended up finding out there was physical copies of it. I love my physical copies of games. And it's uh, Nexomon Extinction is the name of the game. It's the second game in the series. The first one was a mobile-only title. Um, and picked it up. Got it. Uh, had to end up ordering it. Like it, what, it said it was on Amazon, but it was like, yeah, it'll get there in one to two months. And I'm like, what, what do you mean one to two months? Ended up going on to Walmart.com, and they shipped it to me from Long Island and got here in a couple days for free shipping, store-to-store, store, whatever. Um, but it is night or 2006, 2007 Game Boy Advance. I guess it'd probably be a little bit earlier than that. It's 2003 Game Boy Advance Pokemon that looks prettier and has a couple little tweaks to it that I don't know if it makes it better or worse. But it's if you love that era of the Game Boy Advance Pokemon, it's that. But it looks way more beautiful because here we are 15 years later. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because I'm going to review this and my goal in the review when I write a review for this is to not mention Pokemon at all. I'm just going to totally treat this as it's its own game and just kind of explain some stuff. But it, it's really hard to say here on the podcast it's anything but 2004 Pokemon. <laughs> I mean, you get six monsters. They can evolve three times. They even poke fun of it. The game's very got some very meta jokes. Um, like one of the early NPCs is like, nobody knows why, but nobody can ever carry more than six monsters with you. I don't know what's up with that. Um, and you've got a little guy that follows you around. You can change your little following guy, but uh, you're followed by Coco, is your companion at all times, whether you see him or not. And he's always there to comment on you because you're a silent protagonist um he's always there to make the jokes like i can't believe you fell for that or don't you know that you can't you can't put more than one monster in a battle what are you doing um and it, it seems like they're all very meta like monster collecting game specifically pokemon kind of jokes you've got your potions you've got your super potions um i, I was a little annoyed at the beginning like the opening movie had a typo in the there, there's no voice acting but the opening bit is spoken and there was a typo in the um closed captioning of the opening movie that changed the meaning if you were just reading it it'd be like what <laughs> but what the guy was saying was perfectly understandable and i'm like that's kind of how did you mess up captioning the opening movie 
Um, and there were a couple, like, really obvious typos in the first two hours. Um, I haven't encountered anything for the next ten hours after that. Um, and some of the things that I've, like, tiny little gripes I've had along the way, I already read. There's a new patch out. Um, we're recording this on September 10th. I want to say the patch for PC came out, like, the 7th. It's probably already on PS4, and I need to wait about a week for the Switch approval process to go through and get my patch. But I've already seen... I. I just passed one part where, and here I am like 12 hours into the game, and I just got into the main gameplay loop. Like, I have this item that I don't want to mention because it's very spoilery, and this game's brand new. So, But I've got an item, and I need to go get seven things to make this item. And I just got the first one. I'm like, okay, where I, I kind of know what I'm doing for the next, uh, you know, 10 to 20 hours, getting the other six parts. But all of a sudden, I'm out in the wild. I'm encountering third level Nexomon like the third evolutions already. And I'm like, wow, this is really early to be hitting third level stuff. And I'm getting not killed by normal battles, but they're they're tough. And I can't get through more than a few normal battles before I got to run back and heal. Um, And I did see they're totally changing the game flag for that. Or like one of the first NPCs is like, oh, before you get your Nexomon to evolve, just check your bestiary thing and it'll tell you what level he evolves at. Yeah, it doesn't say that yet. (laughs) But they're patching that in. So a couple other things. Eventually. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, within a week, this seems like it's already getting its second big patch of stuff that and they're even changing something that people have asked for. They're like, apparently a lot of people want this. So we're throwing it in a chest right at the orphanage at the beginning of the game. Go get it when the patch comes out. Um, I guess the biggest difference about it and something I do, uh, I'm a little mixed. I really like the idea. I wish maybe they could cut costs down a little bit is this plays out like most other normal role-playing games where you have your hit points and then you have a skill points meter it doesn't have uh spell charges like or skill charges like pokemon would have or um and you were saying it earlier uh saigon that you can just you know you walk in pokemon you just walk in and you use your best attack every time whatever well in here you're walking in with like 150 hit points and 100 skill points. Well, if you want to use your best attack, that's going to cost you 20. And they really don't um, recharge much. So if you do that for two battles, you're done. That guy's pointless until you go heal again. So you can really quickly go through your skill points. And that's where I am right now to survive these like level three kind of tier three monster battles out in the wild. I'm like, holy cow, man, I fight five or six of these. And I'm rotating my guys around. And I'm like, okay, everybody's out of skill points. Time to head back to heal. Um, I had to do that about two hours into the game. I had to spend a good hour grinding because I was getting really annoyed. There was low EXP and low money games, and I was getting my butt kicked because you just could. There was no really good attacks that you could use over and over and over again. You're really having to decide: Do you want to use that big attack and use like 25% of your SP? that's not going to recharge or you know do you want to try to use that one that only costs like five and hit them a lot more well of course you're getting hit at the same time and whatever i I think it makes it more strategic than pokemon because it is one-on-one battles um again i like that concept so i'm not just using the same attack over and over the attacks actually have um speed uh stats for the actual attack and a lot of the big attacks go slower a lot of the 
um, small SP attacks go faster. So, you know, if they're down to five hit points, I'll use that little one to get in the attack before they do in each round. So interesting. I mean, I'm sure they'll keep working on that. Like I said, it was a mobile only title before this came out on a PC and PS4 and Switch all together. So I think it's it's a really cool take on the formula. Um, little balances will be happening along the way, but I'm glad I got it. It was definitely worth the uh, $30 I paid for physical. You can pick it up for $20 um, digitally, most anywhere. And at 12 hours in, I'm definitely 100% planning on going through with it. So fun game. Cool. I was actually going to um, compare my next game to Pokemon and how it's evolved from that, but it really sounds like it took a lot of the changes that Nexamon made to the formula and kind of built on those instead. Tell us about Temtem. So Temtem, uh, it's currently in early access. Um, Mm -hmm. That said, it is super, super polished for an early access game. Um, It's not complete yet, of course, but when they do their content patches, it feels like they've polished it for release. Uh, I'm currently sitting on almost 90 hours of this game. Wow. Yeah. It's very long, and it almost feels like an alternate universe where the gameplay loop in Pokemon continued to evolve instead of stagnating. So, mm-hmm. like Nexomon, instead of having individual power points for each of your moves, um, instead you just have a stamina gauge as well. Mm-hmm. Where it differs from Nexomon is you get your stamina back after every fight, Ooh. and instead the moves cost larger amounts of stamina. On mm-hmm. top of that, they also have charge times, so your biggest and best moves you can't use on the first or second or sometimes even third turn. You have to wait four turns for some of your biggest, best moves to charge, and on top of that is a massive amount of your stamina. If you use more stamina than what you have, it takes from your HP and you become exhausted for a turn. <laughs> Building on top of that, all combat in it is 2v2. Oh, thank and God. It's, it's it's so good because on top of the combat being 2v2, a lot of the moves get kind of a kicker. The moves will, a lot of them will change depending on what the partner Temtem is. So you'll have like a water move that does like 50 damage, but if the partner Tem that's also out fighting next to it is a wind type, then it gets a boost and it suddenly does 80 damage and adds the cold uh, debuff. So there's a lot more team building involved mm-hmm. and figuring out like, okay, well, I can have this guy on my team and I really like this move, but this move is really only good if it's paired up with one of these other guys. Um, it is 100% Pokemon DNA. Like, <laughs> it's... Uh, I'm looking at the picture on the box and I'm like, well, you yeah, know, it, <laughs> I know it who that is. Like I know who that is. Brand, it's target Pokemon. <laughs> but... um. The changes that they've made to the core gameplay loop really make a massive difference. The change from the power points to the stamina meter, um, the change to uh, they cut the amount of different types. It still has the rock, paper, scissors gameplay, mm-hmm. but they cut it down to 12 types. Yeah, Nexomon is nine. I love that. Mm-hmm. Pokemon's gotten a bit ridiculous. 15 it- was already a bit much and they've just grown since then is it to 17 now or something like it, it it's high they, teens, yeah they added dark 
fairy. Fairy. Yeah, there's steel type. Steel. That's another new yeah, one. They added dark and steel in Gen 2, and then it was just that for a while with 15. And then they added fairy with what? Gen 5? Gen, uh, Gen 6 with the 3DS games. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, so, it's, so maybe it's just 16. Because, like, but... the big one from Gen 6 that they kind mm. of showed that off with was um the new EV evolution where it's Sylveon or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um,. There's also no complete immunities in Tentem, so you never run into a situation where you just can't do damage. Mm. The, uh, the worst damage drop you'll see is a quarter, and that's if you're fighting a dual-type Temtem, and both of those types resist your attack. But aside from that, it, it has a lot of the Pokémon trappings. Even the breeding is really similar. It's got the effort value training, but it doesn't hide most of this stuff behind a lot of RNG. You can see what your uh, Temtems, uh, EVs, and IVs are just mm-hmm. on your menu. Um, it's really easy to track down how to train them, and all this stuff is actually presented to you in-game. It is That's a nice change. It's such a nice change. You're given a lot more um, control over breeding. At the breeding center, you can actually buy items to force certain stats to carry over into the offspring. So there's so much less RNG in the breeding. There's less RNG in the combat. There's no critical hits. There's no misses. So you always know exactly if you're going to hit and how much damage you're going to do. That's nice. Yeah, both both of those play a big part in... Um, Nexomon, because there are there are skills that will boost your hit percentage, skills that will boost your critical percentage, and that rate is listed right on the skill when you do it. So both of those two things, which ugh, I hate the RNG of that, both of those play a big part in mm. every single Nexomon attack. Yeah, and it's nice to see RNG be removed completely from Temtem, and it it really goes with their focus towards it being a... Uh, it, it's definitely online. <laughs> it's it's billed as almost an MMO. It's more of an MMO light. Like, you see other people running around in the world, um, and the game, actually, you can play through the entirety of the story mode co-op. Oh, wow. And that is a blast. That's oh, what I that did is. with one of my old WoW buddies. Uh, we played through almost the entirety of the game in co-op. There's like one or two sections that you have to slog through solo. They don't last too long, but they do really suck when you've been playing through co-op. And because of the changes to the combat design, with there being no RNG, um, the fact that you know there's only 12 types to deal with and that stamina gauge management, Mm -hmm. it becomes, there's so much communication that happened. The first gym leader in this game is way harder than going Charmander against Brock. (laughs) (laughs) And that's if you go in prepared. She was brutal. It's, uh, they're even going to include, um, a built-in mode for, um, what's that run called in Pokemon where you're only allowed those lock? It's going to have a built-in Nuzlocke mode where you can just say, I want to play Nuzlocke, and it'll let you play Nuzlocke. Um, It took us a couple of hours, like over an hour, maybe two hours, to get from the first town to the second town. (laughs) Every decision you make in combat matters, (laughs) and it's tough. 
but because there's no RNG element, you never really feel like you're getting screwed over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the story is also massively improved. Like you look at the graphics and they're fun. They're bright. It's, it's definitely off-brand Pokemon when you're looking at the graphics. It's well-designed off-brand Pokemon, but we all know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but playing through the story, it kind of starts off, and at the beginning, it subverts your expectations in a very clever way. And then as the story builds, it starts dealing with much more mature concepts like the gray areas of good and evil and like mm-hmm. they in the recent com uh content patch the new island that they added it was a story about a war like this island that you go to is being invaded and they're not handling it in like a silly way they they're talking about how it's impacting the lives of the people who live there and the lives of you know other people around it and you wind up on the forefront of a lot of these battles and it does a lot to subvert your expectations of the Pokemon gameplay loop and the story loop because stuff happens that I was legitimately surprised by. Like there's really solid writing there hidden under this presentation. And that definitely seems like a step up. I I didn't even mention that with the Nexomon the opening movie is, oh, you know, we live together in harmony with our Nexomon and blah, 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 blah. And then it just kind of says, that's what people want you to think. Yeah. And <laughs> there's mainly one main town and the rest of the world, as you're walking through it, it is really bright and colorful. I mean, it's like Harvest Moon with the contrast turned all the way up. Yet you're walked by an abandoned car and a like traffic light kind of on its side. It's just kind of walking subtle. through the forest. And there are huge gashes just in the ground that you have to walk around. And it's because these monsters have, some of them are just want to wipe out humanity. And sure, some people tame them and fight with them and, oh, it's all cute and fun. But there is a lot of them out there that are just, we're going to kill all the humans. And that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. So and that's, um, that's great environmental storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, um, the Temtem doesn't do too much with the environmental storytelling. There's some bits, um, but the the fact that they're able to deliver a, um, a a much more mature, darker, but without being like edgy about its story uh, was just refreshing. Um, you still have a rival in this game, like <laughs> you know you're used to in Pokemon. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him so so much like like prince charmless levels of hate <laughs> it's charmless charmless the worst hey now charmless is a great character what are you talking about <laughs> he is the pride and joy of argonia he is perfect in every way what's wrong with you <laughs> yeah no this character like they they set him up as your rival and then as your relationship devolves with him like <laughs> You really start to just hate this kid. And then they do a great job of almost making you feel guilty about it later. (laughs) Because there's other cutscenes. And you see that things have been kind of complicated for him, too. And the storytelling is fantastic. Um, There's usually extra stuff to do. Um, They have, with this current patch, they added actual... Uh, ranked competitive battling. So if that's something you're into, it's definitely there. 
this the story content if you want to play through single player is great if you want to play through co-op way better um but uh it, a lot of the combat is definitely designed with the expectation of high level uh one-on-one battling or 2v2 mm-hmm. battling um but yeah the the 80 something hours that i have i'd say a solid 60 of that has just been doing the story and oh, it's wow. not complete yet it's so dense and the areas are so well designed and there's characters that you actually care about. There's uh, branching dialogue with a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll take the time to read it. You don't just mash through hearing about how, oh, Macho helps me build buildings. It's, it means something. It's world building. And it's just so fresh and nice and if you're uh if you're looking for something like pokemon but not pokemon i would absolutely suggest temtem because it will be instantly familiar but enough has changed that it's going to get those it's going to trigger those points in your brain that stopped thinking about how to play pokemon years ago (laughs) (laughs) that well this uh, looking it up i see that it's uh now uh scheduled to come out for playstation 5 switch next year so when it's not going to be pc only it's a definitely going to be cross-platform as well that's cool it's all one cross-platform server Mm -hmm. consoles and pc there's um there's a guild like system in there and uh yeah it's been so much fun to play it's uh how much is it right now in early access it's like 30 bucks which, I want to say it was like thirty-four or something. Oh, it's almost forty dollars. Yeah. But you know, for me, I've gotten over eighty hours of gameplay from it already, and they're not even done with the single-player content. So it's been a get that great purchase for me. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I put eighty hours into a Pokemon game. It's no. I would have to say probably Pokemon White was the last time. <clears throat> I broke even 50 hours on a Pokemon game. Well, if you're a person that puts an uh, hour per gameplay to dollars, this is definitely a deal. For sure. Like. And yeah. if you can get somebody to play it with you, it's a blast. It, I didn't realize how much Pokemon was missing a co-op component. Oh, yeah. That... Co-op sounds awesome for that. It does. Yeah, you were talking about this game, uh, Saigon. I remember now where I've heard the name from. I remember when the game was like first popping up on early access because just since I follow some different gaming news sites, like a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, it's trying to be the next Pokemon," and you know everybody was trying to write it off. But then once they got their hands on it, they realized, "Oh, wow, this you know actually isn't that bad. It's, it's pretty good." Yeah, it it really is the next Pokemon. We, we've just been getting the same Pokemon for so long. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it came out at, I don't think it was intentional that it come out um, at about the same time as Sword and Shield when everybody was at peak disappointment in Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was Hey, you know. But it certainly Perfect worked timing. out in their favor. Um, and I was also in the camp where I looked at Sword and Shield and I was like, I don't want to keep playing this. Um I, I'm sure that the content that's there is great for the people who want to keep playing Pokemon. But if you want to change, but you, you know, inside really enjoy 
the Pokemon formula, Temtem's for you. Mm. The uh, the only caveat with that is is it is always online, so you do have to play it online. All and right. I know that that is a turnoff for some. <laughs> well, if you uh, want to play an offline game that's also really exciting, Brewery, and you remembered something else as we're recording here. I don't know if I can sell. I, I don't know if I can sell this game as well as Saigon has sold. <laughs> Temtem. I've been I've been uh, shooting around ideas for writing a Temtem review for a while, so I came in semi prepared. <laughs> so let's let's go back to the to the far far reaches of 22 years ago to the year of 1998 when Monster Rancher was you know kind of kind of big for its time. This game was uh, this game was called uh, I don't believe Laddie said it, but because I oh. talked over him, but Dragon Seeds for the PS One. Now this was a specifically dragon oriented monster hunting game. I remember playing this one a ton because I rented it from the local blockbuster like every chance that I could get. But um, it it kind of did the same thing that Monster Rancher did to where with instead of CD scanning this game took memory from other games like mem- like saved memory files from other games and you could create monster like dragon monster teams out of it which was a really really cool feature if you had some like kind of off the wall saves because um unfortunately it would just read something like uh dragon quest uh seven as the same monster every time no matter what you did with the save it just it just pick it just recognized the game and created a monster based off that mm-hmm. but uh this game it had it, so it has a story and it doesn't have a story at the same time so like if i remember right it's something like global warming has caused the polar ice caps to melt and a uh dragons were uncovered from the polar ice caps melting so people started collecting the dragons to battle them right and everybody gathered in this one large city and it was just called literally warm city because you know (laughs) polar ice caps had melted um your character has no backstory coming up you literally show up to the gates of the city and it's just like oh hey are you here to fight dragons well come on in we'll assign you a apartment Go to the dragon cloning lab, make a dragon egg, get your journey started to battling dragons. But as soon as you enter into the city, you had like you had like one dragon with you. And it's the the most brutal way they handle the tutorial is you have your dragon and you run into like the mayor of the city who goes, Hey, if you fight me for a tutorial, I'll tell you how to breed good dragons. And then he utterly and brutally kills your dragon in front of you. <laughs> And goes, Haha, don't worry about it. I've been training dragons for years. You can just go clone a new one at the lab. And he goes through the uh, setup and showcase for for all of that. But um, so this was a dragon battling game, and there were there's like uh, different types of dragons that you could have. Um, I believe there were about six types of them. Uh, the ones that you started with, they were like sword. They were like dragon based. Well, they're all dragon based. These were like dinosaur based. They kind of all look like dinosaurs. And depending on their types, like the uh, the drag the the dragons that look like dinosaurs would have like swords and shields and stuff like that. And then you had wing dragons. You had beetle looking dragons. You had uh, uh, sea looking dragons that look like lobsters and shrimp and stuff like that. 
you know, dragons that looked like insects, ones that looked kind of like statues. And um, I remember the very weird type. They were just called evil dragons, and they kind of resembled like really off the wall things. Like I think I remember one of them being literally a door. <laughs> Literally, literally, a door with 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 a dragon head and dragon arms and a tail, but it was like a giant like gateway looking door. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> but what you would do at the beginning of the game is you would go to the cloning lab, and it would be like, "Hey, choose a uh, choose a phrase," and it would give you three kind of drop down menus, and you could choose a bunch of different stuff. And uh, you could say like stuff like um, the past is shining and you would get a, you know, you get like a Saurian dragon with a light element or something like that. So on top of that, all of the dragons had their own elements and there were only three types of elements in the game. If I remember right, there were six types of dragons and three types of elements. Um, although I can't quite remember what the three elements were. Um I think every time for the phrase thing, I would just put the door is alive. <laughs> the door is alive. Uh, looking it up. All right, here, here it is. It was there was they were normal, they were super, or they were mutant. <laughs> and um, there was a lot of variations with the dragons. So you could you could uh, create a ton of them in the cloning lab, and they would come out in different sizes and different colors and different shapes and stuff based on the types. Ooh, I want a made. crustacean dragon with the head and claws of a crab. And you know what? You could you could. <laughs> most definitely have it if you played your cards right um <laughs> but uh the battle system itself was based on a whole rock paper scissors kind of thing so uh at the beginning of every round you would get to put input two different commands and uh you could do a weapon attack a special attack or a reflector attack so uh, if you did your reflector attack, if you know they did a weapon attack, you would just kind of rebuff it and nobody would take damage. Or if you had, uh, if you did a special attack, you can do, you know, depending on your type and the element of the dragon, you could do your special attack X amount of times. Also depending on if it was a baby, if it was an adult, or if it wasn't like an ancient dragon. But the real kicker here is, what do you do with these dragons? What is the story to this game? Well, like I said earlier, there's really no story. You literally show up to fight dragons in the Colosseum in the city. That is the the whole thing. It's like, you remember, you know, remember in Dragon Quest Monsters how you were trying to work your way through the different tiers in uh, Great Star Tree? Night. Yeah, mm -hmm. to, to get to the Starry Night Tournament. It's basically like that. You're just trying to build a better dragon so you can get to the best portion of the... Uh, gladiator ring and 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 you know beat whoever was at the top but there was a ton of different stuff that you could do and uh you could uh you could play training games with your dragon to help improve their stats you could uh you could even trade dragons with friends if you wanted to you could also uh i think cross memory card battle with them but i don't think there was breeding per se with um other players but you could, you know, build a dragon team and then a friend could build a dragon team, take your memory card to their house with their copy, plug your memory card in and battle each other that way, which was a very nice feature. But, you know, I never had another friend who had that game, so I never got to try that one out myself. Um, but it was a it was a very fun game. that was very different at the time because this I believe this came out the same year here that or that uh, that Pokemon did. 
because it came out in late 1998, and I think that's when Pokemon released over here. Is that right? 98? Yeah, I think it was 98 because I was, I know I was five years old at the time. Oh, geez, you make me, you make me feel old, man. 97, <laughs> maybe 98. Yeah, in there. But uh, it was, um, it was for me. It was Monster Hunter before I knew what Monster Hunter was because I hadn't, or not Monster Hunter, but Monster Rancher because I, I think I watched the cartoon a couple of years later. But I always remember this being really cool on being able to create like fully mature dragons off of uh, memory card save files. So I would like uh, out of all my games, I would just generate a save file so I could plug it into the game and see what monster or what what dragon I could get out of it and uh, try to try to train it properly. But it's a very fun game. If you can find a copy, I would suggest it just on the just based on the dragon battling aspect of it. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. You talking about the it reading your memory cards for different dragons, it just totally made me think of Psycho Mantis from Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I just exactly. imagine, it, I it, just imagine the game being like, so you like to play, so you like to play Spyro the Dragon. We'll have a purple dragon. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember that being a really cool feature at the time because, uh, you know, when you rented a game from Blockbuster for anybody that's not over, not over uh, you know, 25. Uh, I remember <laughs> Blockbuster. <laughs> like 99% of the time, you didn't get anything with the game other than the game disc. If you were lucky, there was some, some scribble about the game written on the back of the rental case or you might have gotten the uh, uh, instruction manual with the game when you rented it. But most of the time, you got the disc. And if you didn't know what was going on, you had no idea about some of the features of the game. So when I figured you figured out you could uh, generate monsters from save file, uh, save files from other games, it was that's it made me think of that, Yangus, just like, oh, cool. This is like Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> Have the psycho dragon on your team. <laughs> but I remember, I think the best mon- the best dragon I ever got, it was like this kind of giant absolute unit of a dragon and it was like rainbow colored and it was white and reflective and it had a sword and a shield and it just decimated everything in its path but um because of the whole rock paper scissors uh, nature of it it kind of made it kind of made battles a little a little um sword i'm looking for a little annoying at times because if the other opponent would just kind of do a defense every time. You really couldn't do anything if you've both exhausted your special attacks. So then it mm-hmm. comes down to who's got the higher strength stat because they're going to win. Interesting, interesting. I, I will have to say, I looked this up on Wikipedia, and uh, the, the reception from major publications and websites do not agree with your <laughs> attitude to go ahead and pick this up. <laughs> I, I didn't know that, you know, certain websites give things 5 out of 10. Usually right now, like a 7 out of 10 is horrible, but ooh, there were some well, lows so, here. A, a 7 out of 10 has always been average, even though on a scale of 1 to 10, that is not average. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm looking at the reception on the wiki page now. <laughs> and uh, I will, I'll agree. I'm glad someone's it, speaking up for this game because apparently back then other people were not. <laughs> It's it's a it's a very it's a very basic game, but for, it's it's one of those things. If if it hits you at the right time, it's a mm-hmm. great game. Oh, I, I've definitely yeah. yeah. There's plenty of games that I've. Hey, r- remember remember the last um, side quest when I talked about Fester's Quest? It's exactly oh, yeah. like that. 
And I so it's a that horrible game. game. It's a horrible game, everybody. <laughs> everybody play. It's a bad game. It's, but, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very it's a very different thing. It's um, also it's a 22 year old PS1 game at this point. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be a little uh, rough around the edges for anybody going back to it now. Well, it sounds like it's definitely creative with like the dragons designs because like the one you talked about that was kind of the white rainbowish one. You know, you got the one that's shaped like a door, which is definitely silly, but I kind of like it when they go silly with designs too. So it definitely does sound like there's some creativity thrown at the game, and it's not just like, oh, well, here's just some generic looking if, dragons, but they're just if, slightly different. If you can look past the jank, it's a fun game, and that's all that matters. True. If you have fun with it, then that's what matters. I mean, you talking about the door dragon, that's enough to get me interested. I want to see what that looks like. <laughs> I want to see a dragon shaped like a door, man. That just sounds hilarious. Right there. You're sold. All righty. So I think if we're talking about door dragons and... Uh... It's time to close the door on that conversation. And... Oh, no. <laughs> Before Yangus talks more Monster Hunter, we're going uh... <laughs> to... We're going to wrap this one up. So uh, that, that's it for this episode of Slime Time SideQuest. Uh, thanks, Burian, for uh, some definitely obscure chatter. And Saigon for uh, your Temtem advertisement, plus many other uh, thoughts on this. <laughs> I was not paid <laughs> for this, <laughs> this particular shilling. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Temtem. Pick it up on Steam now. <laughs> Coming soon, early next year. Coming soon on the consoles near you. It's five. Yeah. <laughs> Backwards compatible with PS4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so guys, thank you very much for doing this one tonight. This was uh, something that it was bred out of a momentary purchase, like a week ago Monday, and I was like, "Wow, there's a lot to talk about." And as we found out, there was even more to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, thanks a lot for joining us, guys. We definitely had a heck of a lot to talk about for all the series. And, I mean, if Platty would let me talk more Monster Hunter, I mean, we could be here for a while. (laughs) But, no, it's been fun. And it's definitely cool hearing about stuff like Tim Tim and, like, the Dragon Seeds game that Brewerian thought of. Because, you know, it's always always cool hearing about these new experiences and stuff that you might not necessarily check out for yourself. But, you know, hearing good word to mouth, it's, you know, it's fun having those kind of conversations about games that you might not be on your personal radar as much. Yeah, and I've there's never so heard many any, never alternatives heard. out there that a lot of people just aren't aware of. If you're tired of Pokemon or you like the idea of monster battling, but mm-hmm. playing it just wasn't your thing. There's so many alternatives out there that kind of get drowned out because of this one or maybe two super popular franchises. It's yeah, true. there was another one that I was trying to look up that I played on iOS one time, and I got all the way to the end, but there was like a pay gate because nothing you normally walk around and grab was going to be strong enough to beat the last kind of boss rush. Mm-hmm. And But I mean, it gave me 30, 40 good hours. I want to say it was a lot of three-on-three battles, so again, it had changed up that formula from just one versus one, rock, you know, all the kind of typical stuff, but... Hey man, I got twenty thirty hours out of it for like a dollar ninety nine. So I wasn't too. Uh, nope. <laughs> but hey, it's like it's like Dragon Seeds. I have outside of like one other friend, I have never heard anybody in my life talk about this game. And if you're looking at uh, you know, uh, reviews of the game, maybe it's for good reason. <laughs> 
<laughs> All righty. So there you go. We've got a lot of options for you from a uh, 22-year-old games that read your memory card to a dozen years ago. You can, or not even that long, but you can get Denpa Men downloaded on your 3DS. Go take a walk and hit up people's Wi-Fis randomly to uh, games that are massively multiplayer online experiences. Still an alpha re- beta release, but or early release, but coming soon. So uh, we, we've, we've run the gamut here from before Pokemon even to right up through tomorrow. So you also might have noticed that uh, something we never talk about on our podcast, and I always bring it up, is... Uh, Patreon. We don't use Patreon on Slime Time. We're just longtime fans that want to speak about the topics we know and love so much. But if you got some extra money laying around and you're not looking to buy Dragon Seed, uh, you could go over to the Dragon's Den site at www.wudis.com slash den and click on support the site. Wudis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den fan site for 20 plus years. Um, he'd appreciate any donation. Um, if you don't want to just give him money, there's plenty of affiliate links there to pretty much anything Dragon Quest related that you can find on Amazon. And he'll get a small fraction of that sale to go to support this den. Uh, if you have any suggestions for a future side quest episode, uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to Platy uh, via his Twitter, PlatyM3, or via Discord for the Dragon's Den official Discord server. Uh, you can also contact me at Yangus the Legendary Bandit uh, via personal message. Uh, just search for my name, no spaces between any of the words. Uh, we have a list that's full of ideas, and like we said at the very beginning of the episode, it's one that we just kind of will sk- scroll through, pick a topic we're interested in discussing for that week's particular episode. And we have tons of ideas that we haven't even gotten to yet. And ones that, you know, we might revisit at some point if we want to, but if you got any suggestions, we're happy to hear from you and add it onto the list. Or if I buy a new game, boom, there's a new one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's not that how well you today. pick. That's crazy. <laughs> Worked that well today. So, <laughs> all right. Again, guys, thank you very much for joining us. All you at home. Here. Thanks for having us. Bye everyone. Side quest complete.